Hello, good afternoon, or good evening even. My name is Richard. This is Over and Over and Over Again. We've got a special show for you tonight to get you in the mood for a weekend, a big weekend of football, of course. Tomorrow, late afternoon, kick-off, it's Arsenal versus Fulham at the Emirates. We have got a very special guest joining us to look ahead to that game. All coming up, the other side of this. And welcome to the show, Steve. Of course, um, Fulham fan. Good to good to see you tonight. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Rich, how about yourself? Yeah, not bad at all. Not bad at all. I was looking forward to, to the game tomorrow, as I'm sure you are. Maybe for slightly different reasons, perhaps. As we'll, we'll get into that. Um, just before we start, really, just um, a little sort of history of yourself, really, and Fulham. I mean, when was your first game, Fulham game? Um, so mine, you might. So I've been sort of fan about 22 years. So. So the Fulham fans will know that was around about the time we first came up to Premier League. Um, that being um, sort of over the years, my my uncle had actually tried to get me into the to the other side of West London. No, not Queens Park Rangers, the Blue. <laughs> um, and then a, a friend of mine at school decided to take me to the cottage um, in the promotion season. And I sort of, you know, I think it was a last minute winner, three two game, and I literally was there. I was like, I need to be here every single week. So I took out a season ticket, you know, and I think I had the season ticket till about 2004 um, when I sort of relocated. And it just wasn't, you know, sort of over to sort of Wiltshire, Hampshire sort of area. It just wasn't feasible for me to, um, you know, we sort of playing football and that just to actually carry on with the season ticket. Um, so, yeah, that's where we are now. Oh, fantastic. Um, so who's your favourite all-time full-on player then? Oh, you're asking me now. Um well, he's only been at the club for several weeks, but um, I really like Polina, Ajar Polina. Um, I just, there's something about him I like, you know. I already sense that legendary status, that fan favourite status, just literally after after a handful of weeks with us. Um, all time, probably Steve Malbronk. I don't know if you recall him. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. He played for uh, Tottenham as well, didn't he? He played for Tottenham, so I, I remember yeah. him, yeah. <laughs> Moussa, Moussa Dembele, who probably one of the yeah. only midfielders in recent years to actually go to Old Trafford when they're actually good and to uh, to run a midfield for the 90 minutes. So um, so I think we won 3-1 that day, if I if I remember correctly. So um, but I could be wrong on that again. I'm probably thinking a little bit further back to the um, to the Inamoto days. Um, but my history is a little bit sketchy. I'm not great on that. No, that's fine. I mean, you know, some some great names here, actually. I mean, I say I remember Steve Malbronk. I say because he, he did both the Spurs, didn't he, for a spell. Um, uh, but he was a great player for Fulham, wasn't he? That was when you first came into the Premier League, wasn't it? He was playing. Um, yeah, he was, he, yeah, he was a great player, wasn't he? So, um, obviously, um, we're still in the transfer window. Um, there's still a, a week or so left. I mean, um, looks like there's going to be quite a, a lot of panic going on in the next few days. I mean, I did listen to Marco Silva's press conference today. And he was kind of saying that he's still kind of desperate to get a few more bodies in. I mean, what have you made of Fulham's transfer window up until now? Um, I think for everyone, when I say whether whether your glass, you know, sort of half full, glass half empty or in the middle, I think I'll speak for everyone and say it's uh, 
notoriously slow and it's been slow again. We've had the same sort of things of we've got, you know, oh, we haven't had enough time to prepare, fire a play or so forth. Oh, we've gone up this time, you know, sort of champions. And we were probably always going to go up probably around March sort of time, March, April. Um, oh, we still have enough time to prepare. You know, we haven't done this. Oh, COVID's it. Oh, this is that. We just, um, we're just woefully, you know, in, in, in areas, just making the same mistakes over and over again. I think that's what frustrates uh, not everyone. But especially myself, we're just doing the same thing every single time. I, d- I don't begin to think it's easy to do transfer negotiation. No. But you see clubs like Forest making it happen. I don't think we've got the person. You dropping out there, Rich? Yeah. That- Can you hear me? Yeah. Sorry. Where did you catch me from? Uh, you're talking about uh, Nottingham Forest. That they- they've sort of brought players in and, and you guys have been struggling. Yeah, so they seem to, they might be chucking sort of money at the wrong areas because I still think they'll go down personally. But they seem to not be having a problem getting deals over the line. We notoriously mm. seem to have issues with getting deals over the line. Um, and that's got to be, there's got to be somewhere that's going wrong, whether it's the same people that we've got there. Silver's, I think, having a massive influence in what we're doing this year. Take Silver out of it, it's the same people trying to do the transfers. So that tells me those people shouldn't be in that role. Yeah, possibly. I mean, we, we've had similar issues in recent years. You know, we, I think we've had the wrong people dealing with our transfers and we've had some terrible deals that we've done. And obviously now we've made a few changes and it seems to be working better. I mean, talking of, of uh, obviously, um, Marco Silva, I mean, obviously he's been there a year or so, had great success, obviously, with you guys last season. What have you made of him overall? I mean, he's done a great job, hasn't he? I, I was actually slightly out on him in the championship, so I still thought he was a good manager, but I didn't know how he was going to adjust to stepping down to what, what is a tough league. Let's be honest, you know, even if someone like Manchester United was in the championship, you know, got relegated or something and came straight back up, it wouldn't be easy for them. Yeah, they might run away with it to a level, but it wouldn't be easy for them by any stretch. Um, yeah. It's a difficult it's a really difficult division, and I think he negotiated really, really, really well. I think he was probably disappointed we weren't promoted a lot sooner, and so were we. I think, you know, sort of almost getting over line, going to way trips like Derby, thinking you're going to get there, then losing that game, you know, just little things like that. So I think we're a little bit late to the party on that front. But I think everyone watching that division, I think, knew sooner or later, in a matter of time, whether we won to go up or somebody else lost for us to go up, it was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, um, it was it was one of them sort of seasons. I mean, it was like you said. I think the championship is a is a tough division, and it's probably the hardest division to get out of in in a whole of football, isn't it? Because the competition in there is is ridiculous, isn't it? The number of games as well, and it's it's very very hard. So I guess for his first season as manager, he, he did what he had to do, wouldn't he? Which not only got you promoted, but won you the league title as well, which is always nice, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's always his aim. But I think the main aim for the club was obviously to get promotion, ideally automatically champions great if it had to come by the playoffs you know someone said to you you're going to the playoffs but you will win it again ultimately you've you've done what done what needs to be done on the tin sort of thing but it was good to go up nice sort of a nice 7-0 winner against Luton on the final day nice little uh, party afterwards again and a uh, happy days off we go to the Premier League what we thought we might get smashed early doors but obviously at the moment don't, don't jinx it on tomorrow but at the moment we're doing okay so I think Based on the first three games, I think we're more than capable of sort of finishing, you know, sort of lower half, mid, 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 sort of mid table, maybe just under, under that, in the table. I've said fifteenth, but maybe you want to go into sort of positions later on. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, I was going to come on to sort of the start of the season that you've made. I mean, you know, you had a, a reasonably difficult start. Liverpool at home first game and then Wolves away wasn't an easy... It's never an easy place to go and get a result with Wolves. And, of course, Brentford, uh, a London derby last week, which was another another good game. I mean, you know, five points on the board already, which could be important later on in the season. And, of course, uh, the man Mitrovic has been banging in some goals. He, you know, it's he's been said quite a lot, hasn't it? Oh, he can score in the Championship, no problem. But can he do it in the Premier League? He hasn't maybe managed to do it consistently previously. But great start for him this season. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be key, isn't he, to whether you stay up or not, isn't he? The goals that he may or may not score. Oh, 100%. You get him the services, score, goal, score goals. And I've said on every every podcast that I've been on, sort of previewing the Liverpool game, if you, give, you put Mitrovic in an Arsenal side that creates chances, a City side that creates chances... You know, any side that creates chances, he's going to score goals. Anyone, anyone now, having seen what he's done this season at the start, especially, will tell you he will score goals. So therefore, he it go, it goes without reason to say he's going to bang goals in this season if we give him the opportunities. It's up the other end whether we can keep. You know, we can't keep scoring two, three, four goals to get a draw or to win a game of football. We have to start keeping it either down to one. Or we need to start keeping a few clean sheets. We can't keep relying on two, two, two or more goals a game. Yeah, I mean, that was the one thing, wasn't it? I mean, I've kind of noticed looking at your games. I mean, obviously, you conceded two against Liverpool, two against Brentford. Um, I mean, you're maybe fortunate not to concede a few at Wolves as well because they had a lot of chances that game, didn't they? I know you could have sneaked it at the end with a penalty. Mm. But, um, you know, you do look a little bit open defensively. But ultimately, it's been exciting to watch, hasn't it? I mean, it's been, you know, goals galore. I know the Fulham, uh, the, the Wolves game so it was nil-nil, but that was a good game to watch. I mean, it's been exciting times, hasn't it? I mean, like you said last season as well, scoring the goals that you did. It must be an exciting time to be a Fulham fan at this moment anyway, you know. It's still early in the season, though. Yeah, it's, it's still early. I mean, uh, given, given the sort of start of the season, I'm definitely, that sort of gut instinct tells me, and I could be wrong come, you know, sort of another 35 games, my gut instinct tells me, that we're ready to stay up now. Yeah, we need new faces. We need to get a bit lucky with not, with not too many, you know, crucial injuries. Sort of Mitrovic-esque, Jao Polina, those sort of, those sort of key players. But we've got the you've got the core there to stay up. We just need to add a few sort of players in and around that in the next few days. And I think a lot of people are probably looking at Fulham differently now. Could you at the start of the season see three teams worse than Fulham to put a 17th? Probably you couldn't. Can you see three teams now worse than Fulham? to keep Fulham up, for me, 100%. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly looking... I mean, you know, if I was a Fulham fan at this moment in time, I'd certainly be a lot more optimistic about this season staying up in the Premier League than maybe the previous couple of times that you've been in um, and it hasn't quite worked. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it is still early days and like you said injuries and well the rest of the transfer window first when I say after that possibly injuries could be what decides it all but you know I, I agree from what I've seen so far there's more than three teams have been worse than Fulham in these first three games <laughs> um but it is only three games isn't it so let's you know we need to, but I say you've had you've had some difficult games actually and you've done well so that certainly does bode well um for the season ahead now Obviously, tomorrow, um, London derby um, at the Emirates. Now, last time you played us, of course, um, you came the closest you've ever come to winning an away game at Arsenal because you've never won one before. And it was just seconds away, wasn't it, when Eddie Nketiah scored that goal to make it 1-1. I mean, um, do you remember much about that game? Yeah, I do. I remember sitting in front of the TV for that one. And I was very, very frustrated at the end because I think you're right, it was in the last minute of stoppage time. And I was there almost heading and kicking every clearance myself. I was like, last attack, you could see it building. I was just like, yeah. do anything. Just get everyone behind the ball. Do what you have to do. I think in some respect, by doing that, 
it maybe caused a confusion. It, it dropped, didn't it, to Enketio at the back post? And yeah. I, was, I was like, I was, at that moment it dropped, I was like, no, no. And then it went in and I was just like, <laughs> I could see it happening right right before your eyes, so to speak. I was just like, but please, you know, just one more attack, let's survive it. Um, but again, yes, looking on that, you could say it was a great result to get a one-all draw. But at the same time, to come that close, we had to be looking at that game as two points dropped. And again, that was happening too much, you know, sort of narrow, the finest of margins not going our way in games, whether it be defeats or draws. And ultimately, that's what that's what ended up costing us, the, you know, the last time around. Yeah, I mean, that game came at a time where there'd been a lot of that stuff about the European Super League was going on. And, you know, there still wasn't full stadiums because of the COVID situation, all this kind of stuff. It was different times. And it, I mean, it seems strange, actually. I was thinking about that today, obviously, the fact that we're playing you guys tomorrow. And that was the last time that we played Fulham. And how much things have changed? Not only, obviously, at Arsenal, things have changed quite a lot, the way that things are now for us. But in terms of the world and football and everything, it's so different, isn't it? And it doesn't even, it's not even that long ago, is it? It's what, just over a year ago. That, mm. that game was and it's things have changed so quickly haven't they i mean you know in in football terms probably for the better i mean you guys have come bounce back straight away with we're, we're flying high at the minute it's been it's been quite quite a good times hasn't it but that doesn't i mean i can remember how frustrating time that was for us and we were struggling quite badly we wasn't doing much in the league we got knocked out of europe i said it was a super league stuff it was quite a bad time and maybe that was your opportunity to come to the emirates and beat us and you did come close didn't you that was I say you've never actually won away at Arsenal before, so that would have been a historic moment, maybe. And Eddie and Ketia popped up to um, to take it away. But I think by that point, I think relegation for you guys was looking pretty like confirmed almost. Anyway, wasn't it? I think even if you'd won, I still think it would have been a big ask for you to stay out, wouldn't it? Because there wasn't that many games left, was there at that point? It, w- it would have been another Roy Hodgson esque um, escape had we stayed up this year. Yeah that year let's be honest it, it would happen but in that Roy Hodgson the last few games for Roy Hodgson you, you could always see that happening and the teams around you were getting nervous but when we came mm-hmm. to that game you know at Arsenal there wasn't a team around us they might have been a bit nervous but it was that sort of resigned that you know it doesn't matter what we come to Arsenal today and win 10-0 you know ultimately we're going to go and lose the next handful of games one two three four something like that so it, it really didn't matter you got that sort of edge you know what I mean it was always it was yeah. never happened unfortunately maybe it helped us out of our misery you know a little bit sooner yeah i guess so but yeah i mean i say that game i just remember it so well just because of the time that it happened really there was so much stuff going on and it wasn't a great time to be at arsenal actually it was a frustrating period and i say we managed to get a result just that day which didn't really help us too much because we still finished eighth and didn't qualify for europe and it didn't really do us any favors but anyway it was it was what it was um we've had some uh, comments in the chat terry's in all right terry says um good evening richard steve i'll apologize for the drubbing that you're going to take tomorrow but you've done well up to this point so don't take it too personally well let's not get carried away terry yet you know it's uh you know we never know what might happen uh, terry says there uh, you need pepe if you have money to waste well yeah if you've got a few quid spare maybe he's just gone on loan actually so you probably won't be able to get him now um and Shane in the chat as well he says hi my fellow gunners hope you are well and yourself mate hope you're doing well um thanks for tuning in and loki as well he says evening all how you doing loki and kiddos in as well how you doing all you guys thanks for for tuning in now obviously um you know Fulham and Arsenal have had quite a long, quite a long history. I mean, what, what games against Arsenal do you kind of, obviously, you've in the Premier League for a long time. I say your early days supporting the club. What sort of games against Arsenal stick out? Because you've beaten us one or two times, haven't you? Certainly at your place, it's been a tricky game for us a few times. I mean, what games sort of stick out for you? Um, there's only actually one game that sticks out. It was a game I watched at the Emirates. 
And I think I think you won the game off the top of my head three nil or possibly three one. I think we had um, Dan Byrne, um, who's now correct me if I'm wrong, Newcastle. Yeah, um, no, yeah. I actually liked him to defend that, but I think that day we played him at right back, and it was the most horrific thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, couple with the uh, with the other defenders. I, I just looked at. It, I was like, right, you're playing this guy who's like like a gazelle. Best place for him is in the centre, you know, central position, mm. and you're you're playing him on the wing to a guy that's just roasting him inside and out, and it, it just wasn't fair to him. It wasn't fair to to the fans to watch it. It wasn't really fair to the Arsenal winger because at the time I can't remember who it was, but it was probably making him look a little bit better than he actually was on the day. Um, you know, sort of not having to put much effort in, but that that was the one game for me that stuck out. Unfortunately, it was a defeat, but it was it was that horrific. I was just like, it could have been more. I mean, I remember actually, um, that this was a, a while ago now. There was a free all draw actually at the Emirates. Um, that was a strange game. I think you were ahead a couple of times, and we came back, and that was uh, that was a pretty good game actually. And you know, yeah, I mean, I know you don't have a great record against us at our ground generally, anyway. Um, but I say I do remember that free all draw was a exciting game. You don't get many free all draws really at the Emirates, so that was that one sticks in my mind actually, which was a decent performance. But yeah, generally, it's a game that we. Have generally sort of won, haven't we? We kind of expect to beat Fulham at home. No disrespect to Fulham, but it's a game we do expect to win. Um, we've got a comment there in the chat. There says, um, great start to the season, guys. Really feel we need two or three players to push for the top four, especially with European football. No, I agree. I think we we definitely need at least one more midfield signing, I think. But we'll, we'll maybe look look and see what happens. There's still a few days left. Um, and uh, Kiro here goes on with what you'd said there. Polini has really impressed me. Yeah, he's, he's certainly made a big impression already, hasn't he? Um, early on in, in his career at Fulham. Um, Kiddo says there, Fulham will be a, a good test for us. I, I agree. Uh, Mitrovic uh, against Saliba or Gabriel intrigues me the most. Yeah, that's going to be interesting as well. <laughs> uh, so it'll be weird seeing Leno playing against us, uh, but we've got to do our job regardless. Yeah, I mean, I want to talk to you about Bert Leno, actually. Obviously, he only played the first game, didn't he, last week since his, his transfer went through. Um, I know he let in two goals. It was a good game and a 3-2 win that you had. I mean, are you happy with the signing of, of Burnt Leno? I believe he's a great goalkeeper still. Well, 100%. I mean, the two goals last week, um, not many keepers in the world, well, no, no keeper in the world is saving the first one because he's no. not even seeing it. No one's seeing that. Um, bit of poor marking. The second one, you know, it's just a close-range finish. You know, if, if a key, any keeper in the world gets anything on that, he's, he's going to be a little bit lucky. You know, he's, he's gambled a little bit and got lucky. So you can't blame him on either goal. Um, yeah. I'm happy with Leno. What I, I understand he's made a few mistakes for you guys. It's like all keepers do from time to time. But but out of the three keepers you've got, and I do like Ramsdale, but for me, Leno, Ramsdale, and is it Turner? Mm. Leno's still your best goalkeeper. So I don't understand why you've got rid of him. I, I honestly don't. But... Um, and for three million straight off the bat for an uh, for an initial three million, I mean, you, you've had your pants pulled down, a bit like we have with um, Issa Diop. Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest with you, I, I kind of agree with you, and I, and I said this for a while. I I think Burnt Leno's a better all round goalkeeper than Aaron Ramsdale. Now, the reason why um, he, he's been moved on is because he's not so good with the ball at his feet, Burnt Leno. He's a great shot stopper, um, but when he's got to play the ball out of his feet, he struggled for us. He did. And because that's the way Arteta wants to play, 
Um, it was almost like um, he needed a goalkeeper that was more comfortable doing that. And obviously, Aaron Ramsdale was better with his feet than what Bert Leno is. Now, I, I think as a, you know, Bert Leno is a German goalkeeper. You know they're going to be steady, consistent, solid. They're not going to do anything stupid generally. Um, and that's what he's like. And he's, he's a very reliable goalkeeper. He's a great professional and I'm quite sorry to see him go, actually. But ultimately, I understand the reason why, because he doesn't fit the system of the way we want to play. And that's the only reason. Because other than that, he's a very, very good goalkeeper. I think he's one of the, the top four or five goalkeepers in the Premier League. I really do. And I think, he, you know, he's he's earned that right over the time he's been at Arsenal. He's proved it. But unfortunately, um, it was the system didn't suit him. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't complain. He was on the bench most of last season. He, he came in the odd game towards the end, played well. Um, but ultimately, um, everyone wants to play football, don't they? And he's gone somewhere. He can stay in London. It's a good move for him. And like you said, £3 million pounds is an absolute steal, really. I mean, you know, I don't know what we're doing. We, we 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 don't seem to be able to get decent money for players that we move on for whatever reason it is. I don't know why. Whether it's a contract that they're on, I'm not really sure. But anyway, you know, um, it's a good deal for Fulham, definitely. And I think you've got a very, very good goalkeeper. And... That could, again, you know, we talked about Mitrovic being important for you to stay up. I think having a great goalkeeper in Bert Leno could be really important as well. He, he might be able to, to win you five, six, ten points through the season with some saves that he's going to make. And that might be so important for you. So, yeah, I mean, it's a great deal for you. But I think that's the reason we sold him. Not because he's not good enough or he's, he's not a great goalkeeper, just because he didn't quite fit our style. And, you know... Um, Fair play. I say I wish him luck actually because I, I like him. I think he's done a really. He's been a great player for Arsenal, and you know, good luck to him at Fulham. I hope, um, hope he does really well. But yeah, it's going to be interesting tomorrow coming back so soon. His second game for Fulham's back against Arsenal at the Emirates. That's going to be interesting. Obviously, he knows everything about all our players, so I suppose he's got a few little secrets he can share maybe um, about what how we might play and that kind of stuff. Perhaps you know, he, he could be quite useful um, for that really, couldn't he? Um, Loki says uh, distribution. Um, of Ramsdale, yeah, I think that that's why he said and personality, yeah, possibly. I mean, I do think Aaron Ramsdale maybe commands his box a little bit more than Leno used to do. You know, he was a little, he wasn't so good coming out for crosses and stuff as well, maybe Bert Leno. But you know, it's just what managers like, isn't it? I guess. Uh, Esther, uh, respect to Fulham. Hope they stay up. And glad to see another London club in the Premier League. Yeah, 100% agree with that. Um, can't believe we have let Leno go, as I'm not sure about Turner, but time will tell, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we're about to see Matt Turner, aren't we? Because the Europa League starting soon, and I'm sure he'll play in a lot of them group games. Looking at the draw today, I expect he'll play in all of them group games, actually. So we're going to get a chance to see Matt Turner. I don't know too much about Matt Turner. Is he better than Leno as a number two? Probably not, but then you can't keep two great goalkeepers happy when only one can play. So, you know, you have to have a, a backup goalkeeper that generally isn't as good as your main goalkeeper. And I'm sure that's going to be the case with Matt Turner, but let's hope he can come in and do a great job when he when he gets to play. We'll, we'll soon see. Um, Kiddo says, yeah, Mitrovic looks the part early on. He does, yeah. Um, but let's see how he'll fare throughout the season. Um, a question for Steve. Here we go. Um, why should... One believe Mitrovic will have a different season to his prime. Well, that's a good question. Yeah, what what, what makes you what makes you believe that this season in the Premier League is going to be his season to score fifteen goals or every many it might be to keep you up, as opposed to last time he was in the Premier League when he really struggled, didn't he, for goals and previously to that with Newcastle and stuff. <laughs> so this is pretty much um, always going to be similar, same words that I've used on every other podcast this season. Um, sort of. So we'll go with the last two times we got relegated, promoted, and relegated. Um, the first season, Mitrovic was the second quickest to double figures in a really, really poor Fulham side. Let's be honest, I think we finished 19th or 20th that season. 19th, if, it, if I remember correctly. So, second fastest double figures. Then he obviously tailed off because we, we were that dire that season. Um, the second year we went up was under Scott Parker. 
Um, this is a guy that pref- didn't didn't like Mitrovic. I think he may maybe not as a person, you know, not in person as a person wise, but it's clearly as a player he didn't like him. So he was overweight, lacking in confidence, didn't have support of the manager. The, Scott Parker preferred to play a winger in someone like Ivan Caraballero as a striker. Mm. There's probably a guy that would prefer to play a fullback up front than Mitrovic. So as a, as a player, if you know your manager has no confidence in you, whatever you do, as, as a human being, how hard would it be for you to turn up to work every single day knowing pretty much your manager doesn't want you there for whatever reason, you know, and you've not necessarily done anything to deserve it. You know, you're just not given the chance. It is horrible. It would be horrible. I wouldn't even want to think about that. But I'm sure some of the listeners and maybe yourself have been in that position before. It would be absolutely horrible to think that. Um, and there you go. And now he's got a manager that believes in him, looking for Serbia, scoring goals right, left and centre. Everyone goes, oh, but you're playing, you know, maybe Andorra, Estonia. But so is every other striker in the world from Italy, yeah. England, you know, they're all playing it. So, again, again, that means absolutely nothing. I think you're just seeing now Mitrovic in confidence. Yeah, we'll see what he can do over the next 35 games. But I think if he didn't have it, he wouldn't have done it the first three. No, I mean, I tend to agree. I, I, I think we're seeing, I mean, I, I've, I've thought that in the first three games. We've maybe seen a slightly different Mitrovic this season so far to previously when he's been in the Premier League. I think we are. And whether that's a confidence thing, whether it's a fitness thing, whether it's um, the, the team around him, maybe the structure of the team, I'm not sure. But I, I've seen a different Mitrovic. You know, I, I, I kind of tend to agree. I think this season he's going to, you know, he, he's going to score more goals in the Premier League Matt, maybe than he's done before in previous mm. seasons that he's had. I can see that being the case. He's had a great start. And if he if he keeps free of injury, I mean, he's coming into the season in confidence. He's got 40-odd goals last season. I mean, mm. what confidence must he be playing with? Yes, it's a lower yeah. level of football, you could say. But as, as you rightly pointed out at the beginning, the Championship's a tough league. And to get 40 goals in that league isn't easy for anybody. So the fact that he did shows me that it's a different Mitrovic now to what we've seen previously. And I'm, I'm sure... He will score. I mean, yeah, he's not going to. He's not going to win the golden boot. I don't imagine, but I think no. he's going to score plenty of goals, isn't he? And it could be his best ever season in the top flight. I think it will be. It certainly looks that way. As I, as we start. You know what, Rich? If Mitrovic wins a golden boot, I can tell you now we've qualified for the Champions League. <laughs> so if we're sat here at the end of the season and Mitrovic has got that golden boot, you you know where we're playing next year. Yeah, well, possibly, yeah. I mean, I think you, you need to, looking at the competition in the Premier League for the Golden Boot this season, you're going to have to score a few goals to get that, aren't you? You're going to be looking at 25 or more, probably, to win the Golden Boot. So, yeah, if if, uh, if he gets that many for Fulham, wow, what a great season um, that'll be for you guys. Um, Terry says, yeah, to be fair to Leno, he, he rarely lets you down. No, he, he doesn't. But I, I, he's a very solid, steady keeper. He says, Fulham have got a good deal. They've got a very good deal. A very, very good deal. Um, Loki says, I've got a question for Steve. Um, will more away fans be allowed in once the new stand is finished at the cottage because obviously that new stand is, is up now isn't it it's not completely finished yet is it no it's not completely finished the answer to your question is i don't believe so because they've sectioned off the uh, few thousand you know sort of half of the putney end so it will be just releasing more you know to, to the home fans i believe but again i'm not privy to a lot of the details on that that's where i i don't tend to sort of you know, when I sort of talk about football, I don't tend to focus on that sort of behind scenes stuff. Maybe there's probably people that haven't even released that information yet. Or there might be people screaming at your screen now saying, I know the answer, Steve doesn't. Well, please feel free to tell me what's going to go on. But I believe it's just going to be for home fans only. But again, I could be wrong. 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose what they could do is, because obviously there's going to be more availability for home fans when the stand's open. So behind the goal where the away fans are, they could maybe open a bigger section of that for away fans, couldn't they, possibly? I don't know. No. How it, no. They can't do that, no. no. Uh, well, they probably could, yeah, but I say no. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it was just nice to get a few more in, actually, because it's, it's one of the away grounds. It's quite difficult to get away tickets for, actually, because yeah. there's not as big of allocation at Fulham as there is at lots of other uh, of, the, of the grounds. So that, that's, I suppose, that's a bit of a, of a frustration. Um, uh, Terry says they're going back to Mitrovic. If you keep getting the ball in the box, he will score goals. Yeah, he will. Exactly. I mean, he showed that last week, didn't he? Ninety-first minute, a cross comes in. Perfect delivery for him. He, he bangs you the winner. And that's the service that he needs. He did against Liverpool as well, didn't he? A cross come in, got a goal mm. against Liverpool, same way. So, yeah, that's exactly right, isn't it? That's what he needs. And like you said before, if he gets, you know, it's that service, isn't it, that maybe he's not had previously. If he gets that service now, that's mm. going to be the difference, isn't it? Definitely. I mean, I mean, you're thinking about the guys we got coming back in. Once we get a fully fit Harry Wilson that we got from Liverpool, I mean, whatever mm. anyone thinks about Harry Wilson's we like him, obviously, at Fulham. But whatever you think, whether he can cut it in the Premier League, one thing everyone knows that he can do is he can deliver a ball into the box. And again, that's going to be more ammunition for Mitrovic. So, so mm. simply, as long as we get the balls into the box, Mbabu that we signed from um, oh, Wolfsburg, used to be in Newcastle. I mean, he's yeah. got a handful of assists in pre-season friendlies in the league already. Um, that He puts it, you know, puts it right on the guy's head. You know, like like the winner at Brentford. I mean, this guy can deliver a point, but again, service. So, so let's see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to have to obviously try to stop the deliveries into Mitrovic, really, because once a ball comes in, you can't defend it. He's going to he's going to probably out out jump our defenders, and he's probably going to be able to get on the end of it. So we have to stop the ball getting into the box in the first place if we're going to keep him quiet. I think, as opposed to trying to deal with a cross, because it's difficult to defend them. It's a great ball; it's difficult to defend, isn't it? Um, Esther, uh, who do you feel will go down this season? I think Southampton, Bournemouth, uh, and I can see 18th place being between Everton and Forest. Well, I mean, I'm not sure about Southampton, actually. I think Bournemouth are going to struggle. Um, Forest, they've bought a lot of players. I'm not sure. Who do you think is going to be the free to go down? I know you sort of mentioned Forest before. Do you think Forest will be straight back down? I think Bournemouth, um, Bournemouth will finish bottom. I think Forest will finish 18th, um, 19th. Could even conceivably, this is this is Fulham. This is could even be conceivably be us. Half a good season, half not a good season. Few injuries, you know. Like I say, depends what we're doing in the transfer window. At this stage in time, can I see us in the bottom three? I think a lot of people say no. I think they've even been saying on sort of the um, you know match of the day things like that. We're we're gonna we're gonna be further up the table than, than everyone thought. But again. We could be anywhere. We could fill that third position. But I think I don't think Southampton will be down there. Everton mm. could be lingering around there. Um, a lot of people going on about Leicester, losing players and not mm. recruiting. Could they drop down there? I don't think so, but I don't think they'll be far off it. Um, there's a few. There's a few. Leeds, could they drop in there? They've had a good start. I mean, to be honest with you, this season, actually, um, usually at the start of a season, you, you most people could predict two of the bottom three quite easily, possibly all three, and not be too far wrong at the end of the season. This season, it seems a lot more, um, it's different. Uh, you know, it's difficult to, to, to pick the bottom three, I think. Yes, I think Bournemouth would be probably my favourites to go down. And I know you probably feel that because of Scott Parker being their manager. Probably you'd, <laughs> you probably hope they go down, I suppose, on, on the back of that maybe. But, um, yeah, I think they're going to struggle. You know, we, we beat them so easily last week. It was ridiculous. Um, 
So I can see them. I think Forest might be all right actually because they have bought some a lot of players, not necessarily always the right players, but I think they bought some some good players as well. And I think Forest may well survive. So that's going to leave two places. Uh, you know, I actually think Fulham will probably if Mitrovic gets the goals, I think Fulham will survive. So that's going to be two maybe more established Premier League sides dropping down. Um, this season. It could be one of them sort of seasons and it is difficult to say. I, I think Southampton will be all right. I think Everton will be all right as well, actually, because they they finished last season well. They haven't had a great start, but, you know, I think that they've obviously lost Richarlison as well, which is going to be a big blow to them. But I think Everton will probably be all right and Southampton. So, I don't know, really. It's it's quite it's quite tough to, to call at this moment in time. Yeah, it'd be nice well, if Man United went down, wouldn't it? But... What about Villa? What about Aston Villa? They're hit and miss. Well, yeah, they are uh, again. But look at the look at the players that they've got. You'd be surprised if they went down with that team. I know that you can't always say that's the case. I mean, West Ham are struggling at the minute, but again, you can't see them struggling later on in the season. But I think it's wide open. You know, I really do. I think I think there's, there's going to be probably seven or eight teams in the Premier League that will be worried about their chances of survival because I just think that the bottom teams now are a lot stronger than they were and can get results as we've seen already. You know everybody's pretty much won a game, haven't they? All, all the all the newly promoted teams have, have got a win already, I think. Uh, yeah, they haven't they? Because Forest have won, you've won, and Bournemouth have had a win. So, you know, all the three promoted teams have got a win already. And I think there's a few teams looking over there, we're looking over their shoulder, you know. Yeah, and Everton be one of them, I would assume. But I think they'll be fine with it. Yeah, Villa maybe. I don't think they'll go down. I think they're going to be, they're going to be one of them teams maybe in the bottom seven or eight, you know, that might struggle. But, I don't know. I mean, see, Crystal Palace now, they look strong, bright, and they're looking really strong. They're not going to go down, are they? And they're what, traditional... Liverpool United. What about Liverpool United? They're down there at the moment. <laughs> Liverpool would be nice, <laughs> wouldn't it, if they got relegated? But yeah. it would be nice if they both went down. Wouldn't it? Imagine that they go down with Bournemouth. That'd be great, wouldn't it? But uh, no, yeah. I, unfortunately, I can't see it happening, I'm afraid. No, I, do think, great, I, I, think, I think they'll both be fired in the end and probably do pretty well. But yeah, I do think the relegation is going to be really interesting this season, actually. I think it could be really tight and I don't think it's going to be as it's been in previous years where I say you can almost predict it I don't think you can this year I mean yeah Southampton potentially I suppose could do but I, I just think they've got some great players Southampton really good players and I do like their manager I think they'll be fine but who knows it, it is a tough league isn't it it is a really tough league um we'll see what happens um kiddo says there Steve any incomers before the deadline yeah we sort of mentioned that before is there anyone that you think you, you might be able to get over the line any particular signings that you might get yeah, I, I reckon I reckon uh, Tony looking at the big show. Um, a couple of wrestlers, we might get a couple of those in. Maybe Chris Jericho. Oh, sorry, you meant footballers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we're there. We're looking at Cliver, Justin Cliver. It looks like he wants to come to Fulham, but it looks like we're just sort of haggling over the final stuff as normal with Roma. If we don't get it over the line, it'd be our fault. If we do, it'd be another Leno situation where we pulled someone's pants down. Um, again, sort of, we're looking also at more pay, but there's a lot of talk today that he's going to go to Everton. Now, again, perfect for us in terms of I'm not, I don't dislike the player. I'd love to have him on board, but if he's not interested in joining us, just 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 go elsewhere. Do you know what I mean? Because you can go and sit on the bench for Everton. You can go and sit there. Whereas at us, you might get a few more games. You know, you might have to partner Mitrovic sometimes. You might have to step in if we get a big injury. So, but again, if you don't want to play for us to any player just there's no point in having you you know we could we could be linked with Messi but if he doesn't want to play for us just 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 don't bother 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think Neil Mope seems to have a bit of a reputation for maybe, you know, I think he's got a bit of an attitude issue, hasn't he? He seems to have. Um, maybe that's not the case, but I get the feeling that he, he is a little bit of a problem player, maybe, because he, I think he can score goals in the Premier League. He's proven that. And if he does go to Everton, you know, maybe as a replacement for Richarlison, he might be what Everton need. Um, and maybe, I don't know, but... Yeah, I mean, he would be a good. It'd be a good signing for Fulham, I think, because I think he will score goals. But is he going to be unsettling in the dressing room? That, that would be my worry with him, because he uh, does seem to have that streak about him, doesn't he? I'm not so sure because there was talk about him unsettling Leno, where they where they had a spat a little while. Oh, back. That's right. Yeah, they, that was right. They did. Yeah. But as soon as he walks in the dressing room, he's not going to argue Mitrovic, is he? Let's be honest. <laughs> Probably you know, not. No. <laughs> boss, leave it alone. You know, I'm out of this. So again, I don't really think he's going to cause too many problems. It's whether whether he wants to come to us, maybe with the Brentford connection, or whether he thinks, oh, I'll go to Everton, you know, and I'll go and sit on the bench for most of my games, pick up maybe a bigger wage. I, I don't know what what is in players in players' minds because I, I'm not one of them. Do you know what I mean? I'm not one of those guys in that position. But again, it's up to him. For me, Everton might be a bit more money, um, but prospects of playing for us this year probably better to come to us but again it's whatever he wants to do yeah it is and I know obviously um, Marco Silva's press conference today he was kind of saying that he felt that another club as you mentioned Everton were, were probably going to be where he ends up but you know the, the window's still open he hasn't signed for anyone yet so there's still a possibility maybe and one or two others who knows I mean I'm still hoping we might buy one or two others, but you know, with, with time's running out now, isn't it? It's what next uh, is it Thursday? It's Wednesday night, isn't it? I think it shuts. Wednesday, yeah, 30, 31st is it the last day in August? It is, yeah, it? so it's, it's coming around quite soon, isn't it? Um, kiddo there says, Steve, what's your opinion on Issa Diop? Um, he was once touted for a big money move away from West Ham, but doesn't even start for Fulham now. Uh, what's the reason for that? He's not been getting much game time. Um, well, he had his first, he's had his first run out, um, in midweek against Crawley. And I don't think it could have gone much worse. <laughs> it's more so not the fact that we lost or the fact that he was in the, you know, in the team that lost, I think. And it wasn't just him, in all fairness, but it was it was a seemingly lack of effort, you know, that you would you would get more from a from your average footballer on a Sunday morning, you know, would just at least try and run to to stop stop the attempt coming in. And it just seemed to be he just wasn't wasn't at the races. Whether that's because he's not match fit, he hasn't played enough games, quite possibly because of this running saga of West Ham. But again, that, that doesn't substitute for just effort. You know, just putting the no. effort. Maybe being harsh, there's stuff that happens behind the scenes. We all know that. But just on face value, on the performance on Tuesday night, I mean, we paid 15, 20 million for this guy to come in as one of our, probably our main centre-backs. I mm. mean, based on that performance, he, he's warming the bench the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because you mentioned before, we, we said it, didn't we, that, you know, Fulham do look likely to concede goals at the moment. And, you know, potentially, if he can get his form, he could be a good yeah. addition, couldn't he? Because he, he's used to the Premier League, you know what it's about. He was he was decent at West Ham, I thought. You know, he, he had some good performances against us over the years. So, you know, I'm sure if he can get his act together, he'll probably end up being a good signing for it, actually. And, and again, you know, with Leno, with, with, with Diop, you know, shoring up that defence, you know, that might be what, what's needed for you. But, yeah, maybe he needs a bit more time. Maybe he's not fit yet. Maybe that's the other thing, really. I mean, what did you make of that Carabao Cup game? Because, obviously, you know, you, play, you, you played a, a very inexperienced side, if you like. You know, a lot of changes from the Premier League. Was that almost like, well, that competition doesn't really matter. We're more focused on staying up. Or was you a bit disappointed that you didn't maybe try and have a go at that? Because, you know, the League Cup can be, is going to be won by a Premier League club at the end of the day. Why not try and win it? That's what I would say. 
I'm I'm disappointed every season because it and, and every year Fulham fans are like, oh, the league's more important. The cup, you know, that cup can go. Maybe we'll try better in the FA Cup. That side, you've got teams that play. Is it the LDB Vans Trophy? They played their under twenty one mm-hmm. side at, at sort of that level to to play. You know, play some of these teams lower down, and they're under twenty one side half the time at least are winning these games. That side we put put out should have been more than enough. No disrespect, and probably even Crawley thought that, should have been more than enough to beat them. And every year, we go out to these teams, every single year, it's the same excuse. The league's more important. We haven't got the players. We didn't want injuries. Oh, we're resting for the weekend. Well, unfortunately, it only, it only makes a difference if we pick up anything tomorrow. If we get hammered tomorrow for any reason, then going out of the cup to Crawley in midweek was absolutely pointless. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's just... An absolute waste. I mean, I, I never understand. I never personally understand it because I hate it when Arsenal play weakened teams in a cup competition because it's an opportunity to win a competition. And for a club like Fulham, winning trophies doesn't come around very often. And you know, an opportunity in the League Cup because let's face it, all the teams in the Champions League and in Europe in general are probably going to play weakened sides in the, in the League Cup, right? And you know, the, the big side, I mean, Chelsea play uh, Man City in the next round, so one of them is going to go out anyway. And mm. that just seems, I know Man City have, have done well in a competition in recent years, and one of the big sides does tend to win it. But there's an opportunity for a Premier League team to, to get to Wembley. And I, I can't understand why so many teams play weakened teams and get knocked out early on. I don't understand that, why they do that, really. To me, it's like, try and go as far as you can, because it's a competition, isn't it? And you're not going to have an opportunity to win too many others. So why not go? I, I'm, I, that frustrates me as an Arsenal fan, and we've got an opportunity maybe to win other trophies, perhaps. But for a club like Fulham, to win the League Cup would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. I mean, you you asked, all the, was it the Portsmouth that won the FA Cup and then they went down? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, of course, they'd have probably liked to stay in the league. But I think even a lot of them have said, would they change a day out of Wembley, winning the FA Cup, getting into Europe? OK, yeah, they went down. They might still have gone down, you know, if they hadn't won the yeah, FA Cup. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you've got to try the competition you're in. Every player will tell you, yeah, of course, they don't want to get injured. But a lot of those first team players would have been chomping at the bit to have a little bit more game time, a little bit more fitness. Oh, we've got a Crawley so We get a little bit more confidence in, maybe get ourselves a couple of goals, roll into Saturday, you know, a few days mm. off. I'm not saying play the whole first team. I'm saying play maybe half a first team, four or five, and then and then you know sort of move there. Not sort of wholesale changes. The whole bench was sort of under under twenty threes, under twenty one. Mm. I mean, there's nothing on there. You didn't even say put the first team on the bench to come on and change a game if we were one nil down or two nil down. Literally, mm. it was just all out of the team. Off you go. Whereas you look to other sides, Premier League sides, they had players on the on the bench. The bench that yeah. Yeah, Coutinho, Bavilla, as an example, hmm. play starting a game, playing a game. You know, I don't understand how these teams can do it, and we can't. No, I mean, it, I, I, I never understand why teams rest so many players for these games anyway. Personally, but you know, I guess the manager's under pressure to to say it to stay up in the Premier League and stuff like that. And <laughs> even the Premier League position's worth a lot of money, isn't it? To get one place higher is worth a lot more money probably than winning the League Cup even though it gets you into Europe. I mean, I, I don't know. It all seems a little bit strange to me. But anyway, it is what it is, I guess. And, you know, um, 
as you said, Fulham once again are out. Um, Steve, uh, S says there, uh, Newcastle um, to get top seven and finish in Europa Conference at the expense of United. Well, maybe. I, I think, you know, Newcastle might be challenging for the top six, actually, this season with the players that they've bought in and the way they're playing at the minute. I think they could be a, a top six challenger. You know, you said Man United are probably going to struggle to get top six by the look of things, the way it's going. Uh, so who knows? There's going to be a place there for somebody. Um, and maybe it could be it could be Newcastle. SSL as well, 40 points to stay up this year. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you might need more points this year in general to stay up. We'll have to wait and see. You might, you might need less because maybe everyone will be taking points off everybody else, maybe. You might not need as many as that. Um, we'll have to see um, what happens, really. It's going to be it's going to be fun. Um, Kiddo mentioned that point where Neil Mope and Leno, yeah, well, just going back to that game against Brighton a couple of years ago when he, he basically ended his season, didn't he, that day with that injury that he got in that incident with Mope. So, yeah, it'd be fun if they... I wonder what he'd say to me if he turned up in a changing room, actually. That'd be quite uh, that'd be quite interesting, <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, Loki says there, how about uh, Morales um, from Rangers cheap? Yeah, I mean, no, could be an option. No, no, not for you? No, you thought you, you, a lot of people used to comment on Mitrovic's, um, you know, sort of uh, head, shall we say, you know, how uh, headstrong and lack of he was at Newcastle. And you've seen a little bit of him early doors, you know, for us. I mean, this guy's probably plus 10. You know, yes, I like the guy from ability wise, but I think he could be a he could be that sort of person that's disruptive in the dressing room if he doesn't get his way. And he's a massive hothead, as we've seen in the Scottish uh, yeah, he is, yeah, last yeah. week. Um, so, yeah, for me, that's a no. Ability wise, yes. All round package, absolutely not. Yeah, and I mean, obviously now as well with Rangers qualifying for the Champions League, I guess he's going to want to probably stay and and play in that competition, is he? Probably you'd imagine for this, for this season anyway, perhaps. But yeah, he's, he's definitely a hothead. He's been sent off a few times, hasn't he? Um, so yeah, maybe he wouldn't necessarily be the best bet if Rich. he's suspended. Rich, I I know I know obviously they're playing in the Champions League and that, but but there's always been that talk, hasn't it? You put Rangers and Celtic in Premier League, you put Fulham in in. In, in the Premier League in Scotland, they're probably mm. going to finish top two or top, you know, top yeah, two. Top no, three. I agree. I 100% agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So, and, you know, it's no disrespect. I don't think it's disrespectful to say that. It's just a competition. The Premier League is a lot more than going going away to play Livingston or going away to play, you know. Mm. Oh, yeah. Maybe, you know. So, so again, a lot of our clubs could finish in the top two and get Champions League football. But again, um, like you say, they are in the Champions League and we, you can't change that. And it is, is the opportunity to showcase and maybe, with all due respect, get a move, get a bigger move elsewhere. Exactly, yeah. And I do think that, you know, the fact that they, they are in the Champions League, it seems unlikely that he'll, he'll come. But I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think if any Premier League team played in the Scottish Premier League, they would probably win it. Let's be honest, they'd certainly be, like you said, challenging for the title, wouldn't they? Any, any, any yeah. Premier League team in England would, because... The standard of the Scottish Premier League isn't great, is it? And if you took Rangers and Celtic out of that league, it would be terrible, wouldn't it? No one would be interested in watching it. And as much as that, they keep saying, don't they? They'd like them to come into the English league. Um, you know, the Scottish league would just die, wouldn't it? Because no one would be interested in watching the rest of the Premier League playing against each other, really, because the standard of football is, is not great, is it? So, but you know, Rangers have done well to get in the Champions League, and who knows? You know, the draw was made yesterday; they might do all right, mightn't they? And it is a, like you said, an opportunity to, to, for the players to showcase themselves at the very top level and maybe get themselves a, a move somewhere later on. We'll have to see. Um, Kiddo says there, apart from Mitrovic and Leno, who do you think will have a big season? Um, obviously, um. For for Fulham, I'm assuming he's mean. I mean, who do you think? Obviously, apart from those two, the two sort of big big names, really. Who, who do you, all the other players that you think could be key for Fulham this season? It's going to have to be the outside, but um, but no. I mean, and Babu, 
um, at right back with his assists um, to a level Tete, obviously, with a rotation at fullback. Polina, um, Pereira, definitely. Um, even Harrison Reed. I mean, I was going to touch on something for you guys. Um, how do you guys cope with the press so far this season? You know, sort of teams hurrying you around, harrying, hustling. How, how do you guys sort of um, react to that? Or have you not had that yet this season? Um, we haven't really had it too much. I mean, um, at Crystal Palace in the first game, we started off really, really well. We got ourselves the lead. And then in the second half, Crystal Palace did press us a lot more. And we we struggled, actually, to, to deal with that. They had one or two chances, could have got level. And then we soaked up the pressure, got a counter-attack goal near the end to seal it. But other than that, Bournemouth didn't press us at all. They literally sat off us and let us do what we wanted to do, which was which was mad, but great from our point of view. And Leicester, Leicester tried to play football against us um, rather than trying to press us into mistakes. And it'd be interesting to see when a team does that. I mean, I was we were saying this actually last week, and you know, the game against Bournemouth. Now we went to the top of the league. Everyone was happy and this and that, which is great, and we were enjoying it. But ultimately, we haven't been put under any real pressure yet. You know, in the first game against Palace, there were spells where we were, but we were already 1-0 up. But we haven't gone behind in the game. We're not, we haven't been pressed really, like you said. So I don't really know how we'll cope. You know, it's a new Arsenal team this year to a certain degree. We've got new players and maybe we can deal with it better. Last season, we saw what happened. Any time we got pressed, we panicked and couldn't play our football and got knocked off our stride. I mean, do you think that's what Fulham are going to do to us tomorrow? I'll try to, to press us out of our stride and try and stop us from playing. I mean, I mean, if you see if you've seen our start of the season, especially the Liverpool game, and on sort of the highlights and match of day places like that, they've actually highlighted how we harried and pressed them in, you know, sort of three players blocking off, you know, blocking off the passing routes, closing them down really quickly. Uh, if we do that to you tomorrow, that and we we can pull it off successfully, you know, without getting caught out mm. too much, um, then I think you guys could be in trouble. That that's the one thing. Can you guys cope with it? If you can't cope with it. If we bring that to the table tomorrow, like we did against Liverpool, and you guys can't cope with it, we haven't got a plan B, this could be where everyone that thinks you're going to steamroller it comes a little bit unstuck. Yeah, no, no, I must admit, I mean, I, I don't feel that tomorrow is going to be an easy game for Arsenal at all, actually. One, because Fulham have started the season so well, and two, because of the way that you play. I, I totally agree. I think that it's a difficult game for us. And, you know, I know traditionally Arsenal, Fulham, Arsenal should win at home, but I don't think it's going to be quite as straightforward as that. And it's, I actually almost, and I know it might sound strange because obviously I want us to win the game and win 4 0 and be done with it nice and easy. But ultimately, I'm going to be really interested to see what happens when we are put under more pressure, when we do come up against a team that's going to press us, when we do have to face all these different challenges, because then we'll know exactly how good this Arsenal team are. At the moment, we've had it quite easy. I mean, if we could have picked a start, yeah, Crystal Palace away first game wasn't necessarily easy, but if we were picking some games at the start of the season, we wouldn't have picked any much different to what we've been given. And, you know, we've got to get the points while we can, but I'm really interested to see how this team, is there, the, the, the question in my mind still is, has this team learned from the mistakes maybe of last season and, and the previous season before that? We've got some new players in with more experience in Jesus, obviously, and Zinchenko. Is that going to make the difference? So I want to see what happens. And if Fulham do come to the Emirates tomorrow and do play like that, and we cope and still win the game, and we win the game well, then to me, that'll be a good sign. It's like, yes, I would rather that happen than um, either Fulham just roll over for us like other teams have done, and we win three or four nil easily because we haven't been tested again. Or um, obviously, you know, Fulham end up getting a result. But I'd like to see Fulham really play well, press us, make it difficult for us, but we still overcome that and win the game. That's what I want to see because that would be 
that's a big plus for me. I'm not necessarily just against Fulham, but against whoever we play in. You know, we've got some big games to come. Certainly in October, we've got Liverpool, Tottenham, Man City, all these teams that are going to be more difficult games. And I want us to be ready for those games and show that we can cope under pressure because we haven't had to do it yet. Yeah, uh, I'm fully on you. And while, while you're talking, actually, Rich, um, it's not lost to me, but actually Neil Moore, Neil Moore pays actually signed for Everton. So that's just being confirmed. So, right. so, yeah, that's one player that will be coming to us. But, yeah, just on the game tomorrow, um, yeah, I think for you that that's crucial. See how you, you can react to yeah. how... Because we will set up a different way and I hope we turn up to the races tomorrow to give not only ourselves the best chance, mm. but to give maybe Arteta the best chance. Because if it doesn't work for you, he can then look... You know, let, let's say we set up well, it doesn't work for you, we come out with a draw or win the game then he can go back to the board and say, right, what did Fulham do well? How do we need to improve ourselves? So you're not mm. facing this dilemma, you know, middle or back end of the season. So you can, you can address it game four straight away. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in a way, um, I wouldn't be... I think a lot of Arsenal fans, I, I can see the reaction if, if Arsenal were to lose tomorrow, for example. I, I don't think we will, but if that was to happen, I think there'd be a, a big reaction because we things have gone so well. Whereas to me, it's like I'm expecting a difficult game. I don't expect Arsenal to lose tomorrow or even draw, if I'm honest. I do expect Arsenal to win, but I'm expecting a tough game. And I want to see us cope and, and overcome these difficult opponents. That's what I want to see us do, because that's the sign of a great side. Great, And some somebody mentioned it to me. I think it was last week. And I, I kind of agreed with it, right? Tottenham have been able to win games when they don't play well. They find a way to win games. Under Conte, they've done it regularly for the last year or so, haven't they, that he's been in charge. They did it last week against Wolves. They struggled and struggled, but they managed to find a way to win. Arsenal don't seem to be able to do that. It, unless we play really well, we don't win. And I want to see this season, that's the biggest difference I want to see. I want to see us not play well sometimes, struggle, but manage to find a way to win the game. That's what I want to see us do. And if that happens tomorrow, to me, I would enjoy that a lot more, knowing that we can get these results when we don't play well. Because we're going to have to do that. If we're going to do well this season, we need to pick up results. Because you're not going to play well every week. Nobody does. You have bad games and you need to be able to get results when you play bad. That's, that's how you win titles, isn't it? Because Man City don't play well every week. But when they don't play well, they generally win anyway. <laughs> they find a way. Liverpool the same, don't they? More so Liverpool, actually. Liverpool tend to find a way of winning games usually when they don't play well. So, yeah, that's something I want to see us do better this season, actually. And maybe tomorrow will be the opportunity for us to do that. Um, it says there, lads, what's your top four this season? At the moment, at this moment in time, I have Arsenal in fifth, but hope I'm wrong. It's interesting. Actually. What, what would you say that at this moment in time, the way everything's sort of started and whatever, what would be your top four? Well, I had Man United in there at the start of the season, but um, no, they game. Liverpool the other night, but I still don't have them in there anymore. So I have, I don't know what order at the moment, but I have City up there. I have you guys in the top four. I have Spurs in the top four and I have Chelsea in the top four. Um, possibly then someone like a Newcastle coming in at fifth. Wow. Okay. You don't think Liverpool then? Um, Liverpool. <laughs> I don't know, because, yeah, you, you can see them turning around a bit like United. I mean, probably Liverpool a lot more so than United. But these guys, you know, they've had a pretty rough start to the start of the season. And do you think they can just turn it around overnight? It's not They're not going to suddenly wake up tomorrow. They might win, but they're not going to wake up tomorrow and everything's going to be fixed overnight. There's a few issues both those clubs have. Obviously, United a lot more than Liverpool, but a few issues that those clubs have straight away this season. Whereas teams like Newcastle, are picking up wins. They're chalking off three yeah. points, chalking them off already. They're already playing catch-up. 
So at the end of the day, Newcastle, I don't know the exact points difference, but let's say they're, they're four. Are they three or four points ahead, do you know, at, at the moment of Liverpool? Um, well, Liverpool have only got two points, haven't they? Newcastle have got seven, so five, five yeah. points. Yeah. So over the season, let's say give or take a couple of wins um, here or there. So already there are a couple of wins behind Newcastle. So all Newcastle have to do for the rest of the season is match all of their, you know, match the points tally they get for the rest of the year. There they are. They're done. It's catch up already. Yeah. No, no, it is. And I mean, this is why I'm so pleased that we've made such a positive start because last season we were bottom after three games and we still almost got in the top four. So Man United aren't out of it yet. You know, I know it doesn't look as though they've got the chance because of how they've been playing. But, you know, we, we were bottom with no points after three games last season and we still almost got fourth. In fact, we should have got fourth. We, we threw it away at the end. So, you know, it's still anything's possible. I mean, I, I think Man City obviously going to win the league. I don't think there's any... No one can live with Man City this season. You know, the fact Liverpool obviously dropped off is going to be key. So I think the Man City will win it. The other three, I'd like to think it can be Arsenal in that top four. I think we've got a great chance. That should be the aim because the money we've spent come fifth last year, we, we should be top four. I, I, I agree. I think Spurs are probably going to be our biggest challengers there as well. I'm not sure about Chelsea. If they buy a Bamiyang, you'll get goals for them. That could be the difference for them. So I think it's going to be... Um, I still think Liverpool are not going to be far away and Newcastle are going to be up there as well. I think it's going to be a tight battle, but I just hope that we can scrape in somehow, you know, whether, whether it's third or, or, or possibly second even, who knows? But I hope we can make it, but it's going to be tough because everybody's improved, haven't they? You know, the teams that were just on the verge, I say um, Tottenham have improved. Obviously, we've improved. Newcastle have improved. You know, there's, there's teams there and I don't know. I think it's going to be hard, but um, let's see. Let's hope we can do it anyway. And I don't really care who the other three are. If we're in there, I'll be happy with it. It'll be a good season for us. But let's let's hope that's that's the case because we, we'll see. Um, Kiddo says there, uh, Xhaka has been brilliant, um, but he does have errors in him. I think everyone does, to be fair. Uh, it says there, uh, Xhaka lost the ball and for finally scored at the beginning of the game against Leicester. That's true. Um, Party does tend to misplace passes when pressed. Yeah, I mean, I do feel that's a problem. I agree. If we're pressed in midfield a lot, I do think we can make mistakes. But... We'll see what happens because it hasn't happened this season yet. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, Sam there's in the chat. He says, Richard, your thoughts on Arteta being overhyped by the TalkSport pundits uh, when he hasn't faced anyone decent yet? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what we've been saying. I agree. We haven't really faced anybody. We haven't been tested yet this season. I'm happy with how we've been playing. It's been great. Um, is Arteta being overhyped? Um, I'm not really sure if he's been overhyped. I think the documentary has made people look at him in a slightly different way. Did you watch that, by the way, All or Nothing? Did you, did you watch that? I, was, I actually started watching because we've just come back from holiday today, um, this afternoon. So I actually started watching it last night. So I've got right. about, only got about halfway through the first episode. Um, but again, you know, even the sort of trailer I've seen, you know, there'll be in a future episode of um, him telling the side that he's just basically stripped Aubameyang of the captaincy. I mean, yeah. it takes a lot of bollocks, but look, how many managers would actually straight out, you know, maybe they do, maybe they don't, come out and say straight away, look, I'm doing this, this is done, I'm not mucking around, here we go. Maybe that's that bit of turning point of respect that has made the players and say, well, if we can do that to him, for whatever reason, he can do that to you, he can do it to me. Um, so maybe that's helping turn your fortunes, obviously coupled with, coupled with everything else as well this year. No, I agree. And to be honest with you, I mean, I've never been I've never been totally convinced by Arteta from the start, really. Yes, you know, young, inexperienced, probably why. I feel as though in his first couple of years, he made a lot of mistakes and he kept repeating those same mistakes. He's got a very set way of playing. And if we're not allowed to play that way, we don't seem to have another way to get around that. That's been the case up until now. 
and going back to what you were saying before about the pressing, and I do feel as though um, that's the one thing Arteta's got to improve. He's got to be a little bit more flexible, and he's got to have. I mean, one thing that worried me, and it's in one of the um, one of the later episodes that um, I think Arsenal have lost the game. We lost a few games towards the end of the season. It's one of the games we lost might have been Southampton, and he called all the players in after after the game or like the day after, and he said. We're not going to do anything different because this is how we do things. We're just going to do it better. And to me, that was quite a worry because you can't stick to the same thing religiously all the time because in, in different games against different opponents, you've got different things that you're facing and you've got to be able to adapt to that. And that kind of worried me when he said that because I actually have always believed that with him. He, he, he just wants to play that way and that's it. We're playing our way and that's it. And I think Arsene Wenger suffered a bit from that towards the end as well. Wasn't able to adapt to the other challenges that were coming from other teams, you know, and... That is a worry for me still, but let's see what happens now. At the end of the day, I, I can only judge him now on what we've done this season. And we've won three games out of three. We've played some good football. So let's hope that continues. But I want to see reactions when we play these teams that throw us out of our stride. Have we? Can we cope with that? Are we going to adapt our play to cope with it? I don't see him making changes at half time when we're not playing very well. Um, this is previously, obviously, in previous seasons, you know, we we seem to go in at half time if we play badly. He won't make changes tactically to make us deal with the other team's issues better. It's almost like, let's just go in the second half, play our game, but play our game better than we did. And it's like, that's not always going to work. In fact, most times it won't work because you've got to adapt to the situation, haven't you? And I don't feel as though he does that particularly well, or he hasn't done that until now. But let's see what happens. Maybe we won't be in that situation this season. Maybe our football will do all the talking and maybe we can continue to play our game against anyone. We'll have to see. But yeah, I've still got... I've still got concerns over Arteta. I've got to be honest. I've still got concerns. I mean, what, what do you make of him overall and what he's done at Arsenal? Because he's not really done much yet. As I know he won the FA Cup, but he's not really achieved as much as we all hoped he was going to. So far, things are looking good now. I mean, what, what have you made of his time at Arsenal up till now? Um, same as the, the other guys you had, really, since Arsenal Wenger. Time. You've got, you've got to give the guy time. You can't expect, you know, something to happen overnight. Be like what's been happening at Man United. They're expecting the next Alex Ferguson. I mean, let's be honest, there's not going to be another Alex Ferguson. But they're expecting the next Alex Ferguson to occur overnight. And if it doesn't work out in a year or 18 months or two years, oh, we need to change it all again. So the manager has got all these players playing for him or he's brought all these players in, in for him. They then need to ship them out, get a new set in, spend a lot more money. It doesn't take the man on the street to figure out that's that's what needs to happen. Yet all of these all these owners that have billions of pounds and want to invest in a football club don't seem to have the same. I'll, I'll be honest and say, and I, again, it was saying bad. I probably don't know all the ins and outs, but it seems to a lot of people common sense. People need time in any job you're in. You need time. You can't just uproot everything overnight and expect it all to change tomorrow. It's not going to happen. And as soon as you keep uprooting it every single time, the same thing happens again. Hmm. Uh, so, again, um, Rich, can I just go back to where we were placing sides this year? So, for any Liverpool fans uh, listening, yeah. don't think yeah. I've been hard on Liverpool. All we can really base it on is at the moment how they're performing. They can finish yeah. anywhere one to six at the moment. Literally, yeah. that is that is how I see it. Um, so I know, don't. I, I, I... I agree. I mean, it's three games, isn't it? Three games is nothing. And it's easy. I say we lost our first three last season 
and we still should have got top four anyway. So I, I don't think that it's, you know, yeah, on the way that teams are playing at the moment, I totally agree. Liverpool do look as though they've got issues and they're not playing very well and they need to improve quickly, don't they? Or they're going to find that they're going to be playing catch up, as you said. And it's yeah. hard in the Premier League to play catch up if it goes too long. You know, if mm. you're six, seven, eight games into the season and you're miles behind, you, you're yeah. going to find it hard to catch up, aren't you? For anybody, no matter how good you are. So, yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with you anyway at this moment in time. I, I think Liverpool might struggle to get top four as things stand. But if they win their next four games, they're back in it, aren't they? So, you yeah. know, it's like, like anyone. It's the way it goes, isn't it? And funny enough, S makes a similar point here. He says, if Arsenal win the next three games and actually go to Old Trafford and win, um, I think we get top four. Uh, other than that, a Bamiang penalty, we've not won a match in the league there from open play since 2006. Well, if you think about it, we haven't won a game with fans in the stadium at Old Trafford since 2006 because that Aubameyang penalty game, there was no fans in. So it'll be interesting to see we go to Old Trafford with a full house, the, the hostile crowd. Can we go there and win a game? I agree. I think if we win the next two, which is tomorrow in Villa and then beat Man United next weekend, then I would think not only top four, I'd be thinking we could possibly challenge for the title. You know, and I know that might be a little bit optimistic, but the results are, are speak for themselves, don't they? If you go to Old Trafford and win, I know they're not playing well at the minute, Man United, but, you know, they beat Liverpool and they, that might be the turning point for them. Who knows? We'll see how they get on the next couple of games. But yeah, th these are the things that we need to... This season, for me, I want to look for those games away from home, the tough games away from home. Can we put a performance in, first of all? Can we get a result? And if we can do those things, who knows? We could go anywhere this season with the, with the squad that we've got. Um, uh, kiddo's put a little joke in this. It's breaking news. Arsenal have hijacked Fulham's move for Chris Jericho. It's a matter of time before the deal gets announced. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who knows? We'll have to see how that one works out. Um, Steve there says, if the players are doing um, what he says, doing it right, they shouldn't need to change. Well, no, in a way, you're right. But sometimes the opposition means that you have to adapt the way you're playing to deal with certain situations, don't you? If, for example, tomorrow against Fulham, we know Fulham are going to try and put balls into the box for Mitrovic. If in the first half they're putting in 50,000 crosses, Mitrovic is getting on the end of a few, maybe <laughs> scored a goal. In the second half, we'll have to change that. We'll have to stop them crosses coming in. We could tell and say, you all keep playing our game. Well, we kept playing our game in the first half and Fulham got all them crosses in and scored a goal. So we'd have to try to stop that. That's obvious, isn't it? If you're a coach, that's what you'd want. You'd want the opposition to stop punishing you. You'd have to stop that source, wouldn't you? That's to me. That's what you do first of all. And then once you stop that, you can then build on your own play and then try to build yourself more into the game. But if we continue to let Fulham put them crosses in the second half, what's going to happen? <laughs> then we'll probably score another goal and that will be that. So I do think, yeah, you need to have your system and you need to be able to play your system well, but also you need to be able to adapt to certain situations in a game when the opposition cause you problems. You've got to stop those problems happening because if you don't, eventually you're going to be punished. And that's the way football works, isn't it? So um, um, S says actually, uh, could Wolves go down? That's an interesting one. They can't score goals, Wolves, actually. I didn't think of Wolves. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, what do you think of Wolves? Because they, they're, they're struggling to get goals again, aren't they? They get, they, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, goals, goals ultimately. I mean, I know we conceded a few last time out in the Premier League when we went down, but ultimately it was our inability to finish chances that, that saw us go down. So yeah, if, if you're not banging them in up the other end, um, you're not going to win games. Draws are draws are no use. Like was it the yeah. Brentford said uh, something like I'd rather I'd rather sort of go in and go for a game like against Fulham and lose it, but then go for a game the following week and win it because he's got three points. Whereas if he just goes, he's got two points. So again, yeah. it's better to win one, better to win one. <laughs> you could argue you could argue mentality to the cows come home, but at the end of the day, you still got more points. 
Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, Arsenal only drew, I think, was it two or three games in the Premier League last season, which is crazy, really, when you think most teams will draw a lot more than that. We only drew a couple of games. So, yeah, if, you know, we're either winning or losing, it seems. As I say, that seems to be if we play well, we win. If we don't play well, we lose. That seems to be how it's gone for Arsenal. So we'll have to see what happens this year. But I, I wouldn't mind a few more draws this year. If we can draw half the games that we lose, then we're going to get more points than we did last season. And that's, that's going to put us in the top four, isn't it? Um, Kiddo says there, Steve, what's the status with um, Kazawa's deal? Do you know much about that? What's been going on with that? Are you likely to get that deal done? Um, again, thing to answer to that in a humorous note, I think he's still focusing on Chris Jericho at the moment to go in at left back. But um, no, I don't really know a lot. There's a couple we've been linked with. We're now being linked with uh, Regulon at Spurs. Um, so, so again, that that's interesting. But that to be linked with him tells you is there something that we don't know that this deal isn't going to go through there. So, so again, I don't really know. Fulham, Fulham probably have about fifty irons in the fire at the moment, hoping a handful come off on before deadline day. Of course, it will. But will we be shopping for Regulon Kazawa, or will it be for you know no one that you've ever heard of from? from Serie B or Serie C, D or E or something like that, that, you know, either doesn't hit the ground running or plays about one game and you never, you know, never hear of him again. He goes off to Turkey or something. So, um, yeah, yeah, this is Fulham. I, this, is, this is Fulham. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I did get the impression today from listening to Marco Silva that he seemed a little bit frustrated with the transfer window and whether or not he felt he could get the players he wanted done in time, I'm not sure. I've got the feeling that he was a little bit frustrated by it all, but we'll see what happens in the next few days. I mean, I'm sure um, Fulham will, will bring at least one player in. Um, Kino says there, uh, Reguilon has been heavily linked to Atletico Madrid. Well, there you go. So we'll see what happens there. But being heavily linked with somebody and them actually going sometimes don't always, you know, who's heavily linking them? The agent, the press, who knows really? Sometimes you don't really know what's going on there, but... Um, We'll see what happens. I mean, there's still a few days left in a window. Um, uh, Kino says, there's a good point. You, you could sign Maitland-Niles, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. He can't. He's not getting a game for us. He's going to probably go on loan somewhere. Would you fancy him, Maitland-Niles? Um, I'd fancy him, but but looking at our midfield at the moment, our midfield three, um, I don't know how many Arsenal you know, fans have seen our games. Is Maitland-Niles going to get in front of Polina? No. Is he going to get in front of Pereira? No. Is he going to get in front of Reed? No. So there straight away he's looking at the bench. Does he can he stay at Arsenal and play on the bench? Or does he want to go to Fulham and maybe get a bit more game time, but again be on the bench? Um decent squad player. I do like the guy, but again for his his development, is he gonna get game time as much as he wants? Probably not. I mean, Kiddo says, yeah, Kiddo says he can play left back, he can play right back as well. He's actually quite a decent right back. Um, he can certainly play there whether he wants to or not. I'm not sure, but he's had a good few games at Arsenal playing there, and he's done all right and left back. So he would be a, he could strengthen you there, maybe if not in midfield. He's got other options, the other positions he can play. He's quite a versatile player actually. But um, anyway, we'll see. I, I don't think you'll get you'll get him anyway. I don't think he'll go to. Well, I think he's going to go out on loan. I don't think we'll sell him. I think he's going to go out on loan. Southampton, it's been rumoured after him on loan, so maybe he might end up there. Um, we'll see, but uh, or could go Crystal Palace, couldn't he? Because um, they like a good loan player, don't they? You know, kind of kind of going last year. Maybe they'll get Maitland Niles in this year. Who knows? Um, uh, we've had that comment. Oh, Melvin's in the chat. Hey, Melvin, he says, uh, "Could you please ask Steve who's the most famous player ever Fulham has had? Um, most famous player in Fulham? Who would you say probably ever?" It's 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 
It's got to be um, George Cohen, surely. So, oh, of course, yeah, won the World Cup. Yeah, there, I suppose there, there's, there's a, of course there's always going to be disagreements. There's a handful, you know, statue here, statue there, you know. We could claim the best supporter of Fulham ever was Michael Jackson because he, <laughs> yeah. he had his Again, we all know that isn't true, you know. So just because you've got a statue <laughs> doesn't make you the... Uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a few players out there, you know, and everyone's going to have their different side. For me, um, from, the, from the bits I've seen, because I'm too too young, if you like, to to, uh, to be around in that era, but from the clips I've seen over the years, probably for me, George Cohen. But again, someone will disagree with me. Someone will say, oh, how have you not thought about this guy? Well, that's just my opinion, you know. Do you roll back the years or could George Cohen have done it in a modern game? It's all about eras, isn't it? You know, um, all these guys that were... Pele back in the day was good. Would he live up to the rigours of the Premier League nowadays? Probably not. It's, it's all just based on the era. No, you're right. I mean, I suppose Johnny Hayes was probably a famous Johnny, Fulham player as well, wasn't he? It would go, so there's a statue of Johnny Haynes, you know. Yeah. People are going to say, how you put George Cohen over him? Again, you know, may, maybe Johnny Haynes is the best. Maybe that's just my, my sort of... Uh, George you know, Cohen won the World Cup, didn't he? So you know that that's yeah. not many not many players have done that, have they? So you know, again, but again, that doesn't that doesn't make him the best player. A lot of players that won was it Gareth Bale, and I love I love Gareth Bale to bits as a player. But what's he won? Sort of handful of handful of Champions Leagues. But how many of those Champions League finals has he actually played in, or actually started, or had a massive contribution to? The last one, practically practically nothing from the bench, wouldn't it? So well, yeah, he did score one before, didn't he? I think he got that goal in one of them. I think yeah, yeah, he's he's. So you can, you, I've won five Champions League medals, but what if you've been on the bench and not played a single minute of those five Champions League finals? Well, it doesn't mean yeah. you're going to be player, does it? No, no. Uh, Steve got a good a good shout there. Dempsey, Clint Dempsey, he was a good player, wasn't he, for Fulham? I remember him. What a goal. There's only one goal that sticks out of that, and that was Juventus. And uh, it was right behind the goal for that one. And uh, that Just when he yeah. lined up to do it and you realise what he was doing, and just as he sort of clipped it, and you realise it wasn't a cross, it was a shot. I mean, I think everyone in the ground knew where it was going. Albeit, yeah. you could say, oh, well, it only just clipped the post and went in. But I think everyone knew what he'd attempted at that point. You thought, just as it's drifting over, you thought, it's actually happening. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to yeah. happen. It was a great goal. But, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And still, Juventus game wasn't the best for me. It was our it was our semi-final win against Hamburg. You know, when sort of Petrich scored that one, the free kick from, yeah, everyone's thinking, everyone's a Fulham fan for that night, thinking... Oh, we're not yeah. going to do that. And then suddenly you're still sitting there thinking, we're going to do this somehow. We're going to, we're going to do this by the end. Um, and we did, but you know, football's football, wouldn't it? It kicks you in the teeth in the, you know, right when you think, you know, you've got a love yeah. story. On. Everyone's a Fulham fan. They're probably even the Arsenal fans. Fulham fan for the night. And yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we watch football, isn't it? It doesn't always, it doesn't, the dream, the fairy tale doesn't always, isn't always a Leicester, shall we say. No, it didn't quite happen for you in the final, did it, unfortunately? But um, it was a great run that you had that year, wasn't it, to get there in the first place? As you said, some great memories from that particular one. Right. Melvin says, obviously, Johnny Hayes. Yeah, I think most people would, would probably say Johnny Hayes, maybe. I mean, obviously, I don't. I, I'm far too young to have seen him play. Um, but he, but then, did he win the World Cup? No, he didn't. So, there you go. <laughs> you know, George Cohen's got a medal to, to show for, for it. So, Loki says what... there, Perry from Mind. Yeah, he was a Fulham fan, wasn't he? Um, uh, uh, wasn't it? Dennis Waterman, wasn't it? Unfortunately, he, he actually died, didn't he, very recently, which was a shame. Mm. Great uh, great actor he was. I met him once, actually, um, at a charity football game. 
which was which was good. And Kiddo says there, Callum Chambers for sure. He was player of the season when he was on loan. He was actually what what that actually leads me on. So a little section that, that we we do on the show when we come looking at the other teams is players that's played for both clubs. And there is loads of them, so we're not going to do them all. We'll be here all night. But there's a couple I wanted to look at. So um, let's have a look at some of these. Obviously, Bert Leno was in the picture there. We spoke about Bert Leno already, so um, we know him. Here's one that you'll probably have a lot of fonder memories of than maybe we do. Do you remember that guy? Oh, uh, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, very much so. Winner against Chelsea, living legend. Um, yeah, and Lewis, he's... Lewis, Lewis Bamorte, yeah, brilliant. Um, he was a brilliant player for you guys, wasn't he? And he's a good, he's a good coach as well. He's not a bad coach to have now. Yeah, he, he actually played 203 games for Fulham and scored 33 goals. So he, had a good, he only played 37 games for Arsenal, scored four goals. But maybe wasn't quite at Arsenal's level at that time. You know, we had Mark Overmars and people, people like that. Mm. Obviously, he did really well at Fulham. Seven years he was at Fulham, actually. He played for you guys seven years. Um, and he obviously was a lot more noted for his time at Fulham. Another player probably who um, I would say maybe, I don't know, would you say he was better at Fulham or Arsenal? <laughs> oh days i want to say be better at arsenal what are your thoughts yeah. i mean to be honest i actually felt he was a little bit unlucky at arsenal because he, he he played really well the year we got to the champions league final we had a great he was brilliant in in that competition um and i don't know he never really pushed on from there um and yeah i, I don't know i, I kind of quite liked him Again, like we mentioned before, he may be prone to a few mistakes as a few other players are. But um, what was he like at Fulham? I don't really remember too much about him playing for Fulham. I know he was there for quite a while. He played 68 games for Fulham, actually. He scored two goals. Um, what did you make him at Fulham? Was he all right? Um, yeah, he, 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 was, he wasn't bad um, whatsoever. And when he played well, he played well. But he was the type of defender that made you nervous. Um, yeah, and he, yeah, actually, yeah, that's a fair he, point. He always had that. I'd love to know the stats actually on it. He always had a, mis, a mistake, a game in him, but it was a big mistake, and it would usually either result in a goal or something. You know, more often than not, I'd probably say maybe sixty forty. It ended in a goal, or, or you know, and the other end it was a, a near miss sort of thing. You know, he always had that big mistake every single game, um, and that's why it just made me nervous. Um, and it's very costly at times. But again, I think, I think. Again, my memory shocked. I think he was still in a in a decent sort of side that was uh, doing doing a thirteen year stint in the Premier League. So he couldn't have been half half bad to actually keep you know help keep us up. So, uh, but again, you know, maybe we could have yeah. finished. No, I mean he, he was all right. He played one hundred and sixteen games for Arsenal in what seven years he was at Arsenal. Four goals and I say sixty eight and two goals for Fulham in sort of four or five years he played at Fulham. So, um, you know, he, he was all right when he he was all, he he'd had a decent career, I suppose, didn't he? he? Played in the Premier League for a long time, so he, he must have been all right. Really, maybe a little bit harsh on him. Um, one you sort of mentioned actually a little bit earlier on. Um, obviously this guy. Oh yeah. Janici in a moto. Obviously, a lot more, a lot more famous for playing for Fulham. He only played four games for Arsenal, all in the League Cup. He never played in the Premier League. Um, what did you make of his time at Fulham then? Because he, he did pretty well for you, didn't he? Did well. Never aged. Absolutely never aged. Always looked about 12. I still yeah. reckon if anyone's got a recent photo, I still reckon he only looks about 12 or 13 at the moment. Just in probably, I don't know, how old is he now? Maybe a 50-year-old's body or something like that. So, um, 56. Probably now, but yeah, he's, he's probably knocking on a bit now, but yeah. 
but, but literally, probably still look, his facial features probably still looks about twelve. But yeah, love the guy, and I remember him uh, scoring the third goal at Old Trafford. Um, and I just, yeah, I just, yeah, I like the guy. You know, for, for a lot of people, made a lot of players coming over from sort of you know Japan, saying the leagues weren't good enough, and maybe you know to a degree they weren't. You know, some people like that, but th- these guys are proving, proving, you know, proving that there is talent out there if found. Mm. If found, if developed properly, there is talent out there. No, no, I agree. One hundred percent. I mean, he played fifty-eight games for for Fulham, scored nine goals. Obviously, that one at Old Trafford is probably the most famous one. I would say. I'll say four games for Arsenal. Never really um, did that much at Arsenal. Another guy that probably more known for his time at Fulham than at Arsenal. Do you remember this guy? <laughs> Morris Bolts. Morris Bolts. Exactly. Yeah. He actually he had a decent career at Fulham, actually, didn't he? Yeah, a um, couple of memories. Um, I think I'm pretty sure he's the guy that always used to bike it to games. Uh, some Fulham fans are going to tell me now it's someone else. I think he used to bike it to games, but I, I'm thinking of someone else. But I I remember the classic one of him uh, going full pelt. I think into a challenge and ending up over the advertising board. Uh, pitch side um and the first thing obviously you laugh and then you realize well this could actually be serious because he's gone absolutely crashing into it flying over it and he just sort of a couple of seconds later you know sort of pop, bobs his head over and then pops back over um but yeah that's uh, my lasting memory of him but yeah he was a solid right back to be fair very solid you know for a sort of what we sort of mid mid table premier league side at the time um mm. yeah you what you what you saw with him is what you got yeah, he, he, he played for Fulham for five years. He's made 144 appearances, actually. He scored four goals. So, yeah, a decent career. He only played twice for Arsenal. Again, he was at a time when we were winning doubles and winning league mm. titles and stuff like that. So, he didn't get much of a look in at Arsenal. Two games, again, in the, in the League Cup it was, not in the Premier League or anything like that. But, yeah, a, a decent career, actually, for Fulham. A solid, as you said, a solid player. Um, he, he did well. So, I'm sure, I'll say, I'm sure you've got probably fonder memories of him than we have. Uh, one more kind of quite recent one as well, which we did kind of just me- briefly mention before. What did you make of this guy at Fulham? Who's that? Oh, no, I know. Callum Chambers, <laughs> yeah. Callum Chambers. Oh, he's, he's come uh, yeah. on. No, go on. I, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have liked him back at, um, back at us, you know, when he went back on loan on a permanent. That being said, I think I saw a comment saying he was our player of the season. Um, whether I can't recall whether he was voted that or not, for me, he probably wasn't quite player of the season. He was up there. Um, so I would go over the top on that. But, um, but yeah, no, I'd have definitely had him back. If that tells you everything you need to know, I was a little bit disappointed out of those loanies that that had been with us when, you know, obviously when we, went, when we hadn't performed. I, I'd have liked to see him back with us. Um, but again, you know, um, good luck to him with whatever he does now and does in the future. He's just at Aston Villa, actually. We sold him last year to Aston Villa, so he's he's there, sitting on their bench quite a lot, as it seems now. He's not going to get a game for Villa much, which is a shame. But um, he played 122 games for Arsenal. Obviously, he went out and loaned a couple of times, scored five goals. And he played 37 games for Fulham that season when he was on loan and scored uh, two goals, apparently, for Fulham. So there you go. Um, so, he, yeah, he's probably um, he probably had a better season at Fulham than he's ever had a whole season at Arsenal because he was pretty hit miss for Arsenal, if you're totally honest. Um, now there are, a, there's a load more actually, there's about 20, 30, 30, 30 players, but there's a couple of older ones that you may not remember, I don't remember them, but a couple of famous players that played for both clubs historically anyway, at least. Um, I want you to get yourself settled down. Sorry about that, Rich, I'm just running out of um, battery, so I'm just trying to... Uh, oh, right. This is what happens when you go away for holiday and you, you do sort of live yeah. podcast. 
Um, no, I've done that mid- before. Two seconds, my man. I will just find you a... Uh... Has this ever happened to you before? <laughs> yeah, I, I've had... Well, technical issues happen quite a lot, unfortunately. You, you can't... Um... <laughs> You can't compensate for them, can you? But yeah. No, it's definitely man-made this one, but I will just uh, plug myself in. I'll be back with you in no, that's fine. two seconds. And there we are. Fantastic. Oh, brilliant. We're back We're back again. Right, okay. So I say there's a couple of older players from like a long, long time ago. The pictures are in black and white. But there are a couple of players who are, you know, had good careers at both clubs, actually. Uh, you, you may recognise them if you look at the history books, maybe. That's the first one there. Do you know who that is? Uh, my granddad? No, I've absolutely no idea. <laughs> well, he could be. His name's Tim Coleman, and he played for Arsenal in 1902 to 1908. He scored 84 goals in 196 appearances, so a pretty good goal-scoring record. He then went to Fulham in 1911 and played 94 games for Fulham and scored 45 goals. So, a decent goal score at both clubs. Um, so, yeah, he did all right, didn't he? And another one here, which, again, if, if you've maybe seen history books, you might recognise his face. He's certainly a famous old footballer. Uh, do you know who that is? Uh, I do recognise the face, but I can't put a name to it. He looks a lot older than he probably was, actually. Um, his name was Ronnie Rook. And the- he started off at Fulham before the war. He, he played 105 games, scored 70 goals. That's a decent goal scoring record at Fulham. He then came to Arsenal in 1946 and he played 124 games for Arsenal and scored 87 goals. So really good goal scorer he was for both clubs, actually. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a pretty good one. And there's another one here, another black and white one, which, again, um, no one will probably know who that is. But um, he did have a connection to both clubs, both of both clubs, actually. That was a long time ago as well. He, he played for Arsenal, 1905 to 1912. He made 188 appearances, got 21 goals. His name's Andy Ducat. And I'm sure he's got a record. He was the first Arsenal player ever to play for England, actually. Uh, he did play for Fulham in the 1920s, 64 times. He actually was a manager of Fulham as well later on. So um, he had quite a, a long career at Fulham. Um, and there's a couple more. Another, another black and white one, which is I quite like, which is this guy here. Um, he played for Arsenal and Fulham. Probably more famous for playing for Arsenal. Um, his name is Jack Lambert. And he scored 109 goals for Arsenal in 161 games in the 20s and 30s. He broke the goal-scoring record in one season for Arsenal. It was 37 goals in one season, but that later got beaten. And he played 34 games for Fulham in the 30s and scored four goals. So that's Jack Lambert. And a bit more of a slightly recent-ish one that I quite like. One of my favourite Arsenal players. I didn't even realise he played for Fulham until I researched it. Do you know who that is? Oh, it's another face, isn't it? It's another face. Yeah, he's quite a famous... He's a famous footballer, obviously. He, he Most of his career, or, or his majority of his career, was at Arsenal. He only briefly played for Fulham right at the end. So, It's um, Brian Talbot, and um, one of my favourite Arsenal players. <laughs> he obviously played for Ipswich in the 70s. He then joined Arsenal, won the FA Cup. He made 327 appearances for Arsenal, 49 goals. Um, I think I was probably at most of them games. And later on in his career, in 1991 it was, he played five games for Fulham, scored one goal. I think that must have been when he was finishing his career. I didn't even know he played for Fulham until I was looking into it later earlier on. So, um, But he was a great Arsenal player. Andy Cole also played for Fulham and Arsenal. He was at Fulham on loan from Arsenal. He played a lot more games for Fulham in our 15 for uh, Fulham, two for Arsenal. 
And as we've had a comment in the chat that I saw before from Loki, Malcolm McDonald as well, of course, famous for Newcastle as well. He started his career at Fulham, didn't he? Um, and then, of course, um, came to Arsenal eventually as well before he um, he had to retire. Um, so, yeah, some interesting stuff there. Um, and there's a load of other players as well that no one's ever heard of. Steve Sidwell actually did quite well for Fulham, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. He, he really never had yeah, he, he played 100 and how many games? 114 for Fulham, scored 17 goals. He never actually played for Arsenal's first team. He came through our system, but he never actually played for us. So technically, we shouldn't really include him in the list, really, because he didn't play a game. But um, he did um, come through our system. I say he, he did all right for Fulham, didn't he? Um, yeah. Who else have we got on the list? Is anybody else that we might know? Um, Brian McDermott, uh, again, three games on loan for Fulham. He played 72 times for Arsenal. And someone from Arsenal's double team, Peter Story, actually. Um, he played 501 games for Arsenal, won the double in 71 and played 19 games for Fulham in the late 70s when you probably had players like um, Bobby Moore playing for you and George Best and people like that. I think you probably played along with him. So um, another one as well. But yeah, there's quite a few. Stephen Hughes as well as another one. Julian Gray. Emmanuel Frimpong, do you remember him playing for Fulham? Yeah, he was all right. <laughs> he was, was a he? little bit times, but um, I was a little bit disappointed to uh, to see him, uh, you know, go go again, you know, at, at the end. Again, there was sort of one of those players that could do, could do a job. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't outstanding. You know, he'd have his games where he were he wasn't great, but again, you know, sort of when you're unless you're top top player, you know, a lot a lot of these guys do, you know, have have hit and miss games. So yeah, I I wasn't disappointed with him, and yeah, he was always a likable sort of guy on the uh, social yeah. media. Stuff like that, and uh, I think that goes a long way sometimes, even if you're not the best player, just to be approachable, just to be friendly, just to be just yeah. to be sometimes yeah. it, it does go a long way. No, he, he was he was a fun guy actually. He played 16 games for Arsenal, um, a few in the Premier League. I remember getting sent off against Liverpool, I think it was. Um, <laughs> and he was on loan at Fulham. He played and he played six games for Fulham actually on loan. So I thought he played a few more than that, but he didn't apparently. So um and that one's Thomas Eisfeld as well, um, who played twice for Arsenal and nine times for Fulham on loan in 2015. So um, you know. But not many games either for either club, some of them there. And Loki's got a point. He said Malcolm McDonald, he was manager of Fulham as well. He was, wasn't he, actually? I remember him being manager of Fulham. Um, so, yeah, he, he was probably uh, one of the more famous ones, actually. I didn't have a picture of him for some reason. I don't know why. Anyway, um, Russ is in the chat. He's uh, evening chaps. How are you doing, Russ? Um, Melvin said Simon Templar. I oh, was that one of the guesses, one of them people. He might have been Simon Templar. He might have looked like Simon Templar. It wasn't actually. And it's one that Melvin will know, actually. I've got a picture of him. Melvin, Melvin will know this one. I don't know whether you know him. He was more famous for Arsenal, I think. Again, 1970s. Um, Melvin will probably be shouting at the, at the screen at this moment in time because he'll know him. It's Peter Marinello. Um, he played 51 games for Arsenal, 27 for Fulham. Again, late 70s, he was at Fulham. Um, score one goal so um but yeah scottish um player um who was touted to be really good but never really took off in his career unfortunately but anyway um so there's a few of them anyway that was quite fun i like doing that just to some players that you know um played for both clubs there's been there's been quite a few i say arsenal and fulham over the years so um we maybe got the better end of a lot of them, perhaps. I think you, you had a couple maybe that did better for Fulham. Um, so before we finish, obviously, going back to tomorrow's game, obviously, it's, it's a big game, um, two unbeaten teams. So something's going to give somewhere, isn't it? I mean, we need a prediction from you. What are you thinking? Do you think Fulham can, can go to the Emirates and, and stop us playing um, and maybe try and sneak, sneak a goal from a cross or a set piece? Or do you think Arsenal will be too strong? 
Um, my my gut would say you'd be too strong, um, but my head says the way we've been starting the season, you guys are going to have to you're going to have to turn up, and it's going to be interesting to see if we do the, do the pressing side that we've shown early part of the season, whether you guys are going to be able to handle that. Because if you can't, and we, we can start banging a couple of goals, you know, maybe even sort of, you know, first half, and you can't find a way to rectify that, then, and to come, you know, to come back, then you, you could be looking at defeat. Um, again, if anyone's got a betting slip out there, ready to place a bet, or have placed a bet on Arsenal, Fulham, or a draw, or anything like that, one thing I will tell you is never bet on a game involving Fulham because whichever <laughs> one you do, it's likely to fail. That's a, that sounds like the voice of experience there, actually. <laughs> I'm not allowed to tell you, Rick. I'm not allowed to bet anymore. No, no I, must admit, I stopped betting on Arsenal a long time ago because of the same reason, <laughs> actually. Um, but um, Loki in the chat there says, Steve's a nice chat, but Fulham will get hammered tomorrow 4-1. Well, it's good that Loki's confident in Arsenal. Um, to be honest with you, I am expecting a, a tough game. I really am. I know Arsenal are playing well at the minute and, you know, everything's clicking into place and we're looking a good side. Jesus is on fire and, you know, everybody's playing well. But I think Fulham will make it difficult for us. I really do. Um, I like Marco Silva as a manager. I think he's he's an intelligent guy. He knows how to set a team up. And I think he's going to go with a plan to stop us. And as, as you said, and we mentioned earlier, can we deal with that? Can we um, force our game onto Fulham and still play our football and get the result? I think we will, and I think we can. But I think it's going to be a tough game. Um, the, other, the other night we did a show, and I kind of predicted 3-0. But as the week's gone on, I'm kind of thinking that it's not going to be quite as comfortable as that, actually. I think we will win. I'm confident we'll win because I think we're playing well. Um, uh, Terry's gone in the chat. He's gone 5-2. Um, we don't have to rely on Arteta too much. Well, I mean, I'm guessing the two goals for Fulham will be Mitrovic then all day from crosses or something. Um, I, I think it's going to be a tight... I think we will win. I, I'm going to go 3-1. I think it will be. I think Fulham maybe will score a goal because I do think that you're going to pose us some problems. I think Mitrovic is going to be really difficult to handle, uh, and I do think you'll get a goal. But I think we'll probably have slightly too much and probably just come out on top um, and win uh, and win three one. But it certainly won't be easy. I think it could be a decent game though. Actually, a contrast in styles maybe. You know, Arsenal trying to play their football, Fulham trying to you know make it tough for us and and get long balls into a box and crosses and set pieces and stuff. So I think it could be quite interesting, but. I think Arsenal should come out. I mean, Arsenal will be massive favourites, obviously, to win, but doesn't always go like that, does it? You know, so, um, but but we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll be a good game. And let's just hope that you never know. I mean, if it ends up in a draw, we could stay stay both unbeaten. But obviously, we don't want that. That's not for Arsenal. That's not an acceptable result, really. A draw at home to Fulham, unfortunately. Uh, as much as we was quite excited last time, it was going to the last minute. But um, yeah, I think Arsenal should win. In terms of the season, then, where do you think Fulham are going to finish? What are you going to say? I've, I've gone. I, I went. I went on all the podcasts. Whether I think it's changed to go up, I'm not going to change it now. Um, my prediction is fifteenth, um, and I think we'll be safe with you know with a couple of games to spare, maybe two, maybe three, three games to spare. We'll, we'll be we'll be comfortably fifteenth, and letting sort of maybe seventeenth, eighteenth um, battle it out. You know, in the last couple of games. I mean, that'd be a good season, though, wouldn't it? You'd be well satisfied yeah. with that, I would have thought, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be, even even the start we've had, I'd be more than satisfied. I'd be satisfied with 17th, if I'm honest. But I guess uh, if we continue the start we've had, I'd be a little bit disappointed if we didn't finish anywhere, sort of, you know, a little bit higher up. But again, yeah, I'll be satisfied. Give me 17th now. I'll take it. 
Um, but but I think we'll be around about 15th, and I think that's that's where we'll be. Yeah, I mean, I had a Bournemouth fan last week, Craig, and he sort of said the same. He'd be more than happy with 17th. And I suppose when your first season back in the Premier League, it's just surviving, isn't it? And then you can build on that, can't you? And then hopefully you can, like what you did originally, when you can have a, a long spell in the Premier League again. Do you know what I mean? And you know, Bournemouth mm. lasted quite a long time before. And you've, we've seen teams do it, haven't we? Brighton survived their first couple of years and how they've grown and, and got better. And, you know, they're comfortable now in the top half of the table. And that's got to be the aim, hasn't it, for clubs like yourself? Um, and obviously, with your, your new stand going up, bigger capacity in, in the stadium as well, that's all going to be that's all going to be a, a, a boost for you, isn't it, going forward, surely? Yeah, a, de- a definite boost. As long as we can, again, go back to recruitment. I think you mentioned Brian Sorbet. You, remind, you reminded me, I, th- I think... He's the same guy that's on the side of recruitment this time round. So that would tally with why we're taking a while to sign players because he's probably looking at players from the 70s and they're turning him down. I've retired a lot. What are you doing? So this is probably why it's been a bit slow going, Fulham fans. But bear with him. He will get there by the 31st of August. Yeah, well, he's got to really, hasn't he? Because if it's not by the 31st of August, it's too late, isn't it? Let's just be honest. Um, but yeah, so we'll see what happens. Actually, I, I think he is working at Fulham, isn't he, Brian Talbot? Because I, yeah. I know he was working at one time. Yeah, I think he may well be, actually. Um, Loki says there, the game should be played after the 9pm watershed um, for Steve's benefit. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's all, it's all going to be fine. Actually, I don't really like the 5.30 kickoff. I've got to be honest to you. Are you a fan of that time? Yeah, I absolutely love it because it means if I'm if I'm refereeing um, at a football match, sort of at three o'clock, then it means by the time five thirty rolls around, I'm either in the car with it on the radio, or or it means I'm already back at home and I can sort of you know chill out and watch the game. So yeah, I'm a big fan of the five thirties. I don't like the three o'clocks. Okay, I, I just think it's a it's a strange stuff to kick off on a Saturday, really. You know, it's sort of in the middle of dinner time and it's just in the way, really. I'd rather it kick off either earlier or later, but anyway, right. is what it is. No, best game of the day, primetime viewing. Well, yeah, it's primetime viewing for TV, definitely. Are you, are you refereeing tomorrow, eh? or are you going to be able to watch the game? Um, I'm going to be actually able to watch the game. Um, so I was, uh, what I, we are back from holiday today now, actually. So, so it's amazing. Um, a long day. Um, so I was due to be tomorrow, but um, for reasons as such, I can't. But I could now, if that makes sense. But, but you know, the time's gone. Um, but no, I'm I'm actually out next. Um, if anyone's local to Surrey, I'm actually out um, at Chertsey Town on uh, Monday, Bank Holiday Monday. So if you fancy giving me a few uh, digs about the result tomorrow or uh, or about general uh, general lines and stuff, then you know what better way to spend your Bank Holiday? Get down, stand behind me, and give me some chip. <laughs> you running the line? Are you there? Yeah, I'll be at Chelsea Town on um, when Chelsea Town on Monday. So um, Chelsea Town, I think it's Hanworth Villa for those of you that know the sort of um, lower leagues a little bit. So yeah, I'll be running line there on Monday night. Monday night, what am I on about? Um, Monday afternoon, three o'clock kickoff. So like I say, anyone that um, want, you know fancies a sort of Monday out lives close by, come and give me some stick. And so you were a Fulham fan on the podcast. You got it all wrong. I'm happy with that. <laughs> No, that would be fun, actually. Good luck with that, then, because uh, that would be... What's it like, actually, doing that sort of level of football? Is it quite easy to, to be an official? Or do you get quite a lot of stick off the crowd and the, the players, and or is it all right? Um, it, 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 it depends where you go. I mean, um, a, lot of the cl- a lot of the clubs are really decent, but one, one game that sticks into my mind was I was getting a bit of abuse at um, Porton Rovers once. Um, you know, sort of a few decisions, you know, whether they were right or not, you know, one fan was giving me grief all game. And then he topped it off with a classic, um, the referee's given a free kick in the uh, six-yard box. 
the guy's giving me absolute dog's abuse because I've given an offside for a resulting free kick because he thought it was a goal kick. So I was, <laughs> if you much attention that you've been telling me about all game, you'd actually realise that I've made the correct decision and that you're actually completely wrong. But um, sometimes, you know, my, my, a lot of fans are, you know, good laughs. You know, I've been at Basingstoke and a set of fans were, were complimenting me on a, on my uh, physique and my calves and my back. And, uh, you know, that, that's the sort of that's the thing <laughs> you love being because it, you know, it's 45 minutes of absolute, you can't say anything to them, but it's so funny, you know, they're telling you, you, you look like their friend, you know, their best mate, turn around, give us a wave, give us a wiggle, you know, um, it's absolutely brilliant. And uh, for, 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 you know, the odd games that you go into, you know, officials don't get as much, as much stick as you think they do, but they do, you know, there, there is quite a bit out of it there still and it, it does need to go. Um, but again, you know, that's, that's not to say you know, most of the clubs out there are brilliant. Most of the players out there are brilliant. You know, most of the fans out there are brilliant. But unfortunately, on the day, you know, sometimes you get that one fan, that one player, that one manager, or even sometimes us. We make a horrible mistake that we wish we could take back. Um, but it happens, you know, and there's there's no excuse for anything else that comes after it. But but again, we're, we're all human at the end of the day and uh, people will react differently shall we say, and we'll just, you know, we'll just leave it at that, be sort of uh, agree to disagree, be polite on the issue when sometimes we think, well, mate, you're being a complete, you know, you're being a complete arse, but I can't, I can't tell you that. It's unprofessional, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it, it, I mean, I actually, I've got a lot of respect for you because it's a very, very tough job, I think, anyway, at the best of times, you know, and at that level even more so because you don't get the help they get in the Premier League with VAR and all kinds of other stuff. So, like you said, every single... Um, decision that you make if you get it wrong which you're going to get things wrong everyone does as, as you said you know it's a lot more you know a lot you probably get a lot more grief for that at that level and I, and I think it takes I mean I, I follow non-league football myself as I always have done and um you know yeah it's a lot of banter with, with the officials and stuff but yeah it is a serious thing and it needs to be I just think that you know I mean I, I still play football you know you don't like the referees when they give a decision against you whatever you do but ultimately you know it, it's um, it is a really, really difficult job. And without referees and linesmen and stuff like that, we don't have a game, do we? Um, so massive respect to you and well done and um, good luck with the rest of the Is it something that you're looking to sort of advance on a bit further, are you? Um, I, I am. I've got to always be careful on what I say on shows like this because you might, you know, if it gets back to the wrong people if, or if, let's say, you've got... Let's say you've got for example, the, I don't know, let's say the head of the FA is an Arsenal fan who's watching this podcast. You know, I, you know, if I say something, I mean, it's difficult. Is I mean, I'm 38 now. Uh, there is a road there, um, but it's a difficult road. If I was 18, the road is easier. Do you, do you see it? Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't sound horrible by saying that, but it mm. is a lot younger you are. because, And in any respect, if you push someone that's 18... They're going to have a lot longer in the game, aren't they? It's like anything, you know. As a, yeah, as you sign players for a football club, you yeah. either sign players with a short-term view for five years, or you've got a player that can be with you 15, 20 years. So you've got to try and bring the best through, you know. To but for me personally, I found it. I have found it a struggle to get to get the complete support that at 38 that maybe you'd get if you were, you know, if you if you were younger. And that's what I'm struggling with. Yes, I want to progress in the game. And I know people that that are progressing but aren't really interested. And that that I guess in any any walk of life is mm. is very frustrating. You know, but I guess all you can do is go out there. So you go out there on a Monday at Chelsea, you do your job, you know, if you get if you have someone watching you as an assessor, um, 
you do what you have to do. You try and obviously always do try and keep the clubs on side, but you do what you have to do. You try and make the correct decisions. And if you make the correct decisions, you'll soon see yourself, you know, hopefully climbing that pyramid. So that's all you can do is take care of what, what you need to do in any, anything, isn't it? And then if, if it come if it comes to you at the end of the day you're in a positive light, then it does. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I mean, kiddo's got a question here. He says, Steve, what are your opinions on VAR? But maybe it might not be a good idea to answer that if you're looking at your progression kind of things. I mean, do I you think it's improved the game, VAR? I think it's improved the game, but I think I think it's still teething. What, what I've not quite understood myself is when you see, like, you know, and and I love the guys, the bits, because they're up there. They made the top. I haven't made anywhere near the top to, like, people like Mike Dean. And, you know, for you know, I love the guys a bit. They're different styles. But when you see sort of just one isolated incident, it's not against his referee. One isolated incident was a, was it the um, hair pull on um, Cucurella? And you're looking at thinking, how have VAR yeah. not seen the red card? I, I don't understand. I'm looking at it thinking there's no other based on your training there's no other way that's not a red card and i'm there looking at it thinking if i if me if me at my level is not given that and i've seen it i'm getting absolutely hammered for it so how are you how are you getting the opportunity to see that as a replay and you're still not coming to the to do you know what i mean to the right to the right decision and that, and that's mm. where a lot of fans get confused we can all argue about tight offsides decisions that have if they were given a stead with if they weren't given they stood with but when you look at decisions that are so clear as day and they're still not made those are the ones that confuse even referees football fans um that's the one i find difficult is when you've got the video evidence in front of you and you're still not making that right the right call that's what i think we we all as football fans you know we we, we don't understand um, and I think that's that's where the frustration. I think that's maybe fair. You know, if I've said something out of turn to someone that's listening, then then so be it. But I think I think I'll be fair in the assessment that you know it is the obvious ones that you need to be yeah. getting right. You're not getting the obvious ones right. Then come on, you know, don't start looking at us guys sort of bringing it up. You know, you got to start looking looking closer yeah. to home. Yeah, no, no. I, I want to. I want to. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. obviously. I mean, in terms of that that hair pull one, the, the thing that annoyed me more about any other than the fact they got it wrong at the time was that they justified it afterwards by saying that wasn't in the rules that it's uh, violent conduct or something. There's nothing to say that hair pulling. I think well, surely there is because in the women's game it is. Why would it be different? I don't understand. So well, see, I, it was almost like they were trying to defend the wrong decision, and that, that to me that's the most frustrating thing for me is when they mm -hmm. defend the wrong decisions rather than saying it was a mistake. We apologise. We'll get it right next time. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, it would. I mean, the problem you've got is I think they trialed it a few years back, didn't they, with referees coming out and explaining their decisions, um, and it didn't work because yeah. how much you could tell them the laws, tell people the laws of the game, or it is based on this, it was a correct decision. People would always hammer you. They, they, they just didn't, they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. Um, so whatever, whatever officials do, they can come out and explain it to their blue in the face. But if someone doesn't understand. Yeah, like the guy that thought thought I'd given offside from a from a goal kick. You know, if the guy doesn't un understand yeah. it's a free kick because he's having a go at me or not paying attention or just is a one, you know, then yeah. Yeah. then yeah. you can't help some people. Do you know what I mean? You just can't. Yeah. yeah, no, no, you're right. You're, you may, I, I think you may, you may be right, but maybe just just the the, the PGMOL maybe come out afterwards and say yes, this decision was wrong. You know, we're gonna 
improve. We're going to make sure we don't get them wrong next time. Just something like that would be better than them trying to justify a bad decision when everyone can see it's a bad decision. I, I think, think that would maybe be a better step forward. Now, I don't necessarily think the referee should come out and justify it at the time. I'm not necessarily sure that's a good idea, but certainly the, the PGMOL should maybe do something afterwards. It, when it's clearly a, like that particular one, because that's a, a big one for this season, they should maybe come out and say that, shouldn't they, rather than trying to defend it? Because that frustrates me more. It's like, come on, we've seen it. We know it was a bad mistake. Just admit it and say you're going to do um, um, improve next time. That's all we can hope for, isn't it? Yeah, it's the same with us. I mean, people think we go out there to make decisions, you know, and and uh, that's done. Oh, it doesn't matter to us. I can tell you now, I've driven driven back from games where even if I think I've made the correct decision or I know I've made the correct decision, people haven't agreed. And I go back there thinking, oh, these guys think I've cost them the game. Do you know what I mean? And you're looking at yourself thinking, how can I improve? Or if you know you've made an incorrect decision, you look at yourself thinking, you're the first person to pick yourself up. I go, I go into work. If I'm, you know, you're going to your, your annual review, your boss says, I can tell the boss straight away the three things that I need to work on before they have to tell me. I'll come off a game made, making a wrong decision. I know in myself I've maybe had 95% a great game, you know, players are happy, but the game's been finished because you made that one important decision, you know, that that hasn't yeah. gone well. You know? um, as long as all players want you to do is be honest, but make the correct calls on the big decisions. If you get a 50-50 throw in wrong, that doesn't lead to a goal, of course, but they don't care. As long as you're in the vicinity to give penalties correctly, offsides correctly, the lead and something, that's all they want. That's all players want. Let's be honest. You played the game, you're playing the game. That's all you want is the big decisions right. We're all going to disagree about the little ones. And I, and I agree. And actually, what, what it is, you know, and I, and I think every, every football fan and everybody that's maybe been involved in football at any level have got many, many frustrations with, with the officials, I think, constantly, right? And a lot of that's to do with the fact that you don't get decisions that you expect to get or you want to get and this and the other. So even if they're the right decision the referee's made, if it goes against your team, you're not going to be very happy if it costs you a goal, right? And that's, that's understandable. And I think most football fans maybe do feel like that. So what it is nice to do, it's nice to actually speak to someone like yourself who actually... Um, is at the other side of it as well. And, you know, to actually understand that, you know, as, as you said, you know, no no referee gives a, a, a wrong decision on purpose. They, some, they're they going to make mistakes because they're human and humans make mistakes and that's fine. And I think no one minds that too much. I never used to mind before. I actually mind more now with VAR because there's no excuse for, for mistakes in, in the Premier League because VAR is there to correct them, but they don't correct them. And that's worse for me than a referee previously getting a or, or, or a linesman getting an offside wrong, a tight offside wrong. I mean, I've seen goals that Arsenal have had disallowed. You look at a replay later on on the telly when you get home and you think, well, that was onside. But it's so marginal, you can always think, well, I, I can understand why the linesman got that wrong. And that's mm. fine. And you can accept that. And I didn't used to mind. Yeah, you, you're at the time you're upset and you're annoyed and you're frustrated. But afterwards, you that's, that's fine. But now it's like, well, VAR's there. That, that shouldn't happen. You know, that, that decision shouldn't have been given. That makes it worse. I know that doesn't affect you at your level because you haven't got VAR and it's just down to uh, the decision at a time. And I think most people can accept it as a mistake, a genuine mistake, because that's what they are. But when it's now, with all the technology, there's no excuses for me anymore. And they're still getting too many things wrong or making the wrong calls. And that, that to me, is not that's not the that's not a, an, an improvement in mm. football as a spectacle. 
Yeah, I, th I think I think a lot of the time as well, and with with football sports, they've got to understand that you know I've been at, I've been at a club earlier in the season, and the guys, you know, referees up the pitch. There's a there's a foul happening or an apparent foul, shall we say? Because um, you know whether it was or wasn't, there's apparently a foul going on the far side of the pitch in the in the view of the home fans. Um, the referees. Are, you know, a hell of a lot closer than I am, but they're expecting me to get involved right over the other side of the pitch. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you're just looking at fans or you listen to fans and you're thinking, do you really want me to start making decisions, refereeing decisions, right over the other side of the pitch? Because if I'm getting that wrong, you're then going to say, well, how, how in the world can you see? Have you seen that? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But when it yeah. goes down, it's or it doesn't go their way. It's like they expect you to be getting involved right over the other side. It's just like we don't have comms at our level. Comms would be easy because you could say, look, have you seen that foul? Oh, no, I haven't. Have a little closer look. Do you know, all that in, in real time. Mm. There, be like, I think it would be a lot easier, to be fair, to do our job at this, even at the yeah. semi forward comms. Oh, 100%. It should be, shouldn't it? But we don't have it, so they have oh. to rely on what we're told in a brief. And yet, to any fan listening, it is not an assistant referee. It's an assistant referee's job to assist. It's not for us to make refereeing decisions when the referee is a lot closer or five to ten yards away when we're half a pitch away. Even if it is the incorrect decision to everybody else in the ground, and maybe even to ourselves at the time, we've seen it, they haven't. It's not for us to get involved half a pitch away. It's just because your credibility just isn't there. You know, from yeah, from... yeah. No, I mean, I, I I I agree with that actually. And also, as well, I mean, do, do you think that it would be a good idea for you know that the referees are communicating with VAR? Do you think that'd be a good idea for that to be broadcast so everybody could hear what was being said, or do you think it's better that it isn't? What what would be your opinion on that? If if football fans were similar to rugby fans, I would say yes. But I think every I think we're all, we're all, I don't, I'm, stupid isn't a fair word or right word to use, but, but in terms of rugby, there's a lot more respect, you know, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. towards that. And I think that allows, that allows both the players and the fans to hear the conversations going on. The fact that no matter what, what a referee might accidentally slip up with a word nowadays in, in football, accidentally say the wrong thing, or or they can hear, you know, just because they might hear 10 players surround the referee shouting down their throat, or a player shouting from a distance, you know, shouting at them because they can hear it through the comms. You've got to remember the referee in the ground has got 60,000, 70,000 people around him. He's probably not going to hear the same thing clearly that you're hearing. So it might not actually help. help. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a fair point, actually, yeah. Um. And if the referee said the wrong thing in football, would would they then start ramming it down their throats? And well, you said this during the game on the spur of the moment, but now I've had forty-two hours to think about what you said. It doesn't make any sense. Well, did he have 42, 42 hours to reconsider what he said? Uh, you know, in a heat. Of yeah, yeah. No, no, that, that's that, that's all fair points actually. To be fair, mm. I mean these these are just things that you know. As, as a fan, I mean I, I've. Never been a referee or anything like that, so I don't really understand exactly what's involved. I know how difficult it must be. Um, and these are just things that come up, don't they? Would these things improve the game from a um, from a spectacle perspective, you know, with the referee and stuff like that? But ultimately, I guess the decisions are made for what they think is the best for the game, I suppose, and that should be how it's got to be, maybe, and 
us as fans are just going to have to part with it. But I suppose it'll always be, you know, I mean, we could sit here all night and talk about the refereeing and what have you in the Premier League and stuff like that. And I'm sure that maybe that's a one show we could do separately maybe one time and talk about that because it is, it is a big issue and it is something that, you know, it's good to hear it from the other the other perspective. Actually, I didn't realise you was a referee. Actually, which is uh, which is good, but it's good to hear that perspective. Actually, because most fans, you, you never really. I don't think we we tend to see referees as human. Sometimes, you know, we we don't expect them to make any mistakes. We expect them to give every decision correct, and it's not possible. Even with VAR, it's not possible. Let's be honest. And even at lower levels, even more so. And I think that maybe it's important that the human side of referees comes across. And that's why I quite enjoyed, actually, Mike Dean. When he retired, he gave a lot of interviews, didn't he? And, mm. you know, you've seen him at Tranmere Rovers and stuff like that. And I quite like that because it's like a human... You can actually see the human side of them. And I, I actually quite like that because you don't... You know, Mike Dean, you you know, he's quite a controversial referee. Mm. And that's all people have ever seen. And it's nice to see he's actually human as well. And he's got a sense of humour. He's quite funny and he's amusing. And he's actually quite a likeable guy. Um, and I actually like him a lot more now since he's retired from refereeing. But that might be why, because he's never going to referee Arsenal again. So I think I'm quite happy. <laughs> but he, he does seem like he's a nice guy, actually. And I'm maybe not always happy with some of the things that I've thought about him previously. But, but, yeah. um, but anyway, Tracy's in the chat. And she said, Steve is one of my favourite opposition fans uh, who's on this channel in a long time. Great guy. Best of luck for the rest of the season. Well, that's nice, isn't it? Thanks, Tracy, for that comment. I'm sure Steve appreciates uh, the, the comment. I paid Tracy off just before the, um, just before the broadcast, just to... Uh, you know, you sort of get get one like in on that. So, uh, cheers. Right. Okay, that's, that's, that's fine. But yeah, no, it, 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 um, I'm just always honest. You know, I'm not I'm not the best pundit in the world. I'm not going to make I'm not going to make a living off media like you know some of you sort of uh, you know like yourself been been onto it. You know, sort of been doing this years. You know, um, but I'll give you an honest view. I'm not going to lie. If it's the correct view or not, that's for somebody else to you know to decide on. Yeah. You know, but. But at the end of the day, I'll always be honest, you know, I'll always try and have a smile, even though I'm a bit negative about my sides, probably most of the time. But, um, no, but that, that, ultimately, <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's, all, that's all anybody should be, you know, just be honest to yourself and give your own opinions. That's, that's great. That's, you know, that, that's fine, you know. And, and uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't get, um, that, that's not almost respected, is it? Most people want everybody to have the same opinions on things and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I, and I think everyone should be entitled to their, to their own opinions and, and you know, if people disagree, they disagree. That's great. Let's let's have a conversation about it and, and move on. And if, if we agree, we agree. You know what I mean? That's that's the whole if everyone thought the same, it'd be really boring, would it? There'd be no point doing shows like this. There'd be no point having having football podcasts, there'd be no point having pundits, there'd be no point having anything if everybody just agreed. It'd be just boring, wouldn't it? And it's nice that people have got different opinions. I like that. Rich, I'd just like to point out to every football fan listening and Fulham fan, everything that the guys have been saying about Mitrovic and now they're all starting to change their tune that he's uh, not had this. I've been saying this for ages. Everything they've been saying about um, Fulham improving this year or Silver's come out and said, we're not doing a transfer policy, right? I've been saying this long, long before, but that was being negative. But now the manager's saying it, it's a different kettle of fish. So I might be too honest. I might be a bit downbeat sometimes, but now tell me what I was saying is wrong. <laughs> No, no, I mean, this is the thing, you see, and, um, you know, I mean, I've sometimes doubted Mikel Arteta and I've been quite um, quite vocal about that. And now, obviously, makes me look a bit silly. We're top of the league and unbeaten and all this, that and the other. But ultimately, I'd rather be proved wrong and Arsenal do well. And that's, that's the better result for me than yeah. me being right and Arsenal not doing well and them having to sack him. Um, that's maybe what I would have I would have been 
not too disappointed if we sacked him a year or so ago or a year and a half ago, but ultimately we didn't, and now we're doing better, and that's great. And I'm I'm glad I was wrong about that. I mean, I might be right about other things, but that's the way it is, isn't it? And that's yeah. that's good. Um, Neil Neil's in the chat doing here. He says it's good to have different takes on everything. Yeah, absolutely right. And uh, Neil says there's nothing wrong with disagreements as long as the mutual respect factor is not that exactly. And that's what it's about. It's about you know people can have different opinions and just. Uh, that's fine. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that. You don't. We don't all have to agree. As I say, it's, it's nice if we don't sometimes. It's good to. I mean, I don't know generally what the what the feelings are for most Fulham fans because I don't personally know any Fulham fans anyway. And um, you know, you're um, one of the only Fulham fans I've really spoke to about Fulham. So um, I don't know whether your opinions are particularly common in Fulham fans or not. And I'm not, I don't care. You've given your opinion, which is what we wanted. That's great, and it's been a great show. I appreciate uh, your time that you've had. I appreciate um, you know your input to the show. It's been great. No, that's fantastic. Cheers for having me, Richard. Like I say, you, you'll always get people that know a lot more history. You'll always got people that are a bit more, you know, sort of have been in media work in years, but you'll also get people that have absolutely no idea about their club as well. And I'm probably one of them, but <laughs> but yeah, it's like you say, everyone's got an opinion and it's always good to sort of air it. Some you'll agree with, some you won't. Um, and it's just how football is. Exactly, and that's and that's it should always be because I say it'd be it'd be pretty dull if it wasn't, wouldn't it? Really, let's be honest. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's been great having you on actually, and it's great, it's good that you know some of the guys watching uh, appreciate um, what you've booked to the show as well, which is which is really good. Kiddo says, "Big up, Steve." Indeed, um, Tracy says, "Yeah, we can't be everyone's cup of tea or." Or all be mugs. No, exactly. Everybody, we're all somewhere in between, aren't we? Let's be honest. You know, some people that, that we get on with better and some people we don't, but who cares? You know what I mean? That's that's life, isn't it? And that's how it should be. Um, anyway, obviously, um, enjoy the game tomorrow. Um, that you obviously be able to watch it, which is good. So um obviously don't enjoy it too much because that might mean that you win, and we don't want that, obviously. Um, but enjoy the game and a good luck on Monday as well, um, in your um refereeing as well. Well, that, that's the main thing. I mean, I mean, we for some reason we do enjoy it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be taking the time out to do it. Um, but again, you know, good good luck. You know, as long as as long as it's most, you know, you say mostly about the players because they're always going to ask you questions. But as long as you're not coming off the pitch, you know, with with sort of players surrounding the referee because you know some between us all something's gone wrong. As long as they're coming off, you know, handshakes, all that sort of stuff. It's all been about the players. It's all been about what a good game that was, and not about the officials. And at the end of the day, that that's. That's what that's what you want. There'll always be the one player that will make it about the officials. Not necessarily in every game, but from from game, you know, certain certain games. But again, Monday, as long as we're coming off, you know, the right teams got the result. You know, there's no contentious decisions. Everyone's happy with the officials. You know, as you know, it's never going to be 100. percent But you know, we've got the good things right, and it's all about the players. That, that, that's all you want at the end of the day, because it does give you a good feeling to know you've got that offside right or you've got that decision right. You know. And what, how, whatever ends up from that, you know, we, we don't care who wins the game. That's what a lot of people think. Um, I could go out there and I could officiate a Fulham game and I could be as impartial as ever. I just give what I see. Maybe everyone can't. Um, maybe I wouldn't be in that position. But the way I would approach the game is exactly the same. Um, it's two sets of teams. We don't care who wins. We could care less if your team wins. We couldn't care less if they don't win. Um, it, <laughs> it's irrelevant to us because we'll go home at the end of the day win, lose or draw. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I'm playing football in the morning as I tend to do on a Saturday morning and, you know, I'm going to go into game tomorrow with a little bit more of a different a different opinion on the referee and I'm not going to get on his back if he gives a bad decision. Well, that's what I'm going to go into it now. Obviously, I can't promise that's what I'll happen when the game starts tomorrow, but I'll try my best because uh, you've made me realise that referees are just human like the rest of us. And just, uh, you love yeah, me. Enjoy you love it. Me. 
<laughs> so yeah I'll, I'll i'll try and do that tomorrow if i can um in the game when i play so we'll see um but no i mean it's, it's been it's been brilliant having you on i say maybe what we'll have to do perhaps late later on in the season maybe we can perhaps do a show about var and referees and stuff and maybe you can come back on and we can just talk about that side of the game for a whole show actually that could be really good yeah like i said i'll always have to be careful what i say on that front but i think i can be diplomatic enough to give an honest view but also a fair view that represents us guys you know because we're you know whether anyone sees their way or not there's always three teams on the field it's the two teams playing each other but again it would be nothing without the officials and it's our job to try and make sure it's played fairly it's played correctly um there's there's decisions you know there's laws that we have to implement there's there's a one that players have to walk off and then walk back on again you know from an injury i don't necessarily with that one I see that I do see sometimes why, but I, I don't necessarily agree with it. But it doesn't mean we're not going to enforce it. So that mm. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do a job, and that's the job that we have to do. Yeah, no, no, exactly. You're right, and, and that's perhaps the best way to look at it. And it's a way everyone should maybe look at it. But unfortunately, it doesn't always. <laughs> it's quite a passionate sport football, isn't it? I guess people get a bit tied up in 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 the game. And uh, Terry says, yeah, great show, Richard, Steve. Um, nice to meet you, Steve. Good luck on Monday, but not tomorrow. Well, fair enough. We understand that. We don't want Fulham to get too much luck tomorrow, do we? Uh, Kiddo says, great show, Lazo. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, Neil says, take care, everyone. Enjoy your um, respective long weekends. Yeah, of course, bank holiday weekend, of course, which is always nice um, for those who get bank holidays off, of course. I mean, I'll be off on Monday, but I know a lot of people got to work. You'll, you'll be working, obviously, doing something that you love doing, so you can't really grab them too much, can you? Not at all. Players might, but I won't. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, they probably will, and the fans probably as well, but that's that's life in it, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, so, brilliant. I say, um, I say, great, uh, great show. Thanks for coming on, Steve. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and I say, we'll be in touch. Maybe get you on again later on in the season, maybe do a, say, do a, a, a refereeing show, maybe. That'd be quite good. Get a few other people on and maybe look at the game from a refereeing perspective. Something a bit different. That could be quite good, couldn't it? And maybe, maybe we could get Mike Dean on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if, if you've got a contact number for him, let, let us know. We'll definitely get him on. That'd be interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. No worries. So, well, thank, thank you very much for that. Uh, don't forget, if you've enjoyed the show, please uh, give it a like as well and subscribe to the channel if you are new. And tomorrow, I'll be back for the watch along quarter past five. All the pre-match stuff, full commentary of the game, all that kind of stuff. I feel like I say quarter past five tomorrow. Hopefully, it's a good game. Hopefully, Arsenal will win, but I'm sure Steve hopes for the opposite. I'm sure he does, um, but we'll see. It's going to be decent. It's going to be interesting. And if we keep Mitrovic quiet, I think we might win. But uh, but we shall see. So thanks to all you guys for your comments as well. Loki says cheers all. No, thank you very much, Loki, again. Everyone else in the chat as well. It's been lively in the chat tonight. I've tried to get through as many of your comments as I could. I might have missed one or two. Um, quite a few come through. But anyway, um, thank you to everybody for watching and everything else. I will see you tomorrow at quarter past five. Thanks again to Steve. Fantastic guest um, and represented Fulham really well, which is nice. And we will, I say, see you all tomorrow. Um, for the watch along, Kiddo says, cheers, lads. May the better team win. Yeah, exactly. May the best team win as long as it's Arsenal. That's what we want, isn't it? <laughs> it's trying to get his full and beds there. Look, brilliant. Um, I know it'll be a good game. Let's be honest. I like, I like a good London derby and I'm sure it'll be fun. Um, so, yeah, so join me tomorrow, quarter past five, if you can. And don't forget, be nice to the referees because they're only human and they're doing a good job. And Steve is doing a really good job. So um, cheers for that, guys. See you tomorrow, quarter past five. Thanks again, Steve. We will see you soon. Come on, you gunners. Let's make it four out of four. Let's go. See you later, guys. Thanks a lot. See you later. Cheers, Steve. <laughs>